Good evening, wrestling fans, and thank you for joining us here on King Jordan Radio for Tuesday, August 26, 2014, as we wrap up the uh, summer, uh, a lot of things to get into. We're scheduled to have Jason Knight, formerly with um, the ECW. Um, he should be calling in at 8.15. I uh, do want to remind you that on Friday at 9.30 p.m., it is a three-hour spectacular, which will include Michael Jackson's birthday bash, his defense attorney and former friend Tom Mesereau, Aphrodite Jones from the ID Network, who wrote a book about him, and his two former bodyguards will be on this airwaves. You can listen to the show, and you and there will be a live chat for uh, three hours. Okay, now into the uh, wrestling world. Let's bring in our dream team. First, let's start it off with the man from Chicago. He is our wrestling insider, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome the one and only Double J, JJ. Good evening, JJ, and welcome to King Jordan Radio. How are you? Hey, doing great, King. Uh, like you said, so much to get into. Uh, of course, uh, Total Divas will be returning to the E-Network September 7th, and as we all know, about Impact, which made the switch to Wednesday nights. The reason for that is because it was announced, as you pointed out last week, but it has been confirmed that SmackDown will be moving from Friday night to Thursday night starting October 2nd. And uh, when is uh, the their lease over with, so to speak, with um uh, with the Spike Network? Well, TNA and Spike, uh, I believe, they haven't really set anything in stone just yet because from what I understand, you know, Spike, you know, it's just moving in a different direction. I don't think they really want pro wrestling right now. So while their contract sort of ends in October, I do think Spike may keep TNA and may extend the contract just until TNA finds a new home, which may or may not happen pretty soon. A new network has expressed interest uh, in TNA, and uh, it's called uh, the Velocity Network. It is a sister station to Discovery. If you uh, know the Discovery Channel, which uh, is another sister network to Animal Planet, then the only problem is with uh, this Velocity Channel is that it's an HD-only network. And what that means is it only broadcasts in high def. So let's say you have a normal standard television. If you don't have an HD smart TV, you will not be able to watch the Velocity Network, unfortunately. If you put the channel on, you'll just get a blank, uh, blank black screen. So on the one hand, it's good for TNA to get another network interested, but unfortunately they would be limiting their audience just because not many people own an HD television. So it's good news and bad news, but nothing's been confirmed. Nothing's been, uh, no, no negotiations or contracts have been dotted, so to speak, but this is all things that are just breaking news. 
Okay, I think we do have either Dominic or Mr. Blackjack Brown. Let's go over to line number two and see who we have. Uh, line number two, if your line is open. What's up, King? Hey, Dominic, welcome back. How are you? How you doing? Good. JJ, how you doing, bro? Great to hear from you, Dominic. Same here. Glad to be here. Yes. Yeah, I heard you guys before you brought me on talking about the new network. It is available on Time Warner. I I do get the network, but it's not available in 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 all homes. It's very very limited. And do you know DNA would be making? But do you know if it's available in? I know you have Time Warner, and uh, I'm in New York like you. Do you know if it's available in for Cablevision? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay, Somebody left it on my hotline that they have Time Warner where they are, uh, and they gave me the channel, and it comes on by me. Oh, but there's okay. nothing signed, sealed, and delivered yet, and TNA's got a lot of risks with that because they're not going to be making the same amount of money from it as they did with Spike. It would be only one quarter of the amount, so they're not sure they want to go for it in the long run. Very interesting. Uh, we are going to talk uh, ECW in a few. Um, Dominic, I know you know who uh, Jason Knight is. Yeah, um, the old ECW days. Wrestling sexiest man. The old ECW days. So uh, get your questions. Uh, I think it was some good questions yep. uh, from Mr. Knight. You know, uh, he managed uh, Just Incredible, I believe, and uh, Lance Storm. Yep. So... Uh, We'll uh, definitely have to check that out. Uh, but, Dominic, uh, in the meantime, um, as always, can you give us the birthdays and the wrestling uh, year in review? And uh, this right. portion of the show is brought to you by Dominic Valente's Hot Seat Wrestling uh, Hotline, which you could call at 212-629-1900, updated daily with all your wrestling information. All right, today's wrestler's birthdays are Gator McAllister, Jeff Bradley from Mexico, Mascara Divina, Mascara Sagrada. Um, we got um, Angel Orsini, who used to be in ECW. Um, she was riptide in Florida back in the day. We got Maple Leaf Muscle, Little Petey Pump, Petey Williams. Celebrities, we got Brandon Marsalis, Macaulay Culkin, Chris Burke. Um, Assemblywoman Geraldine Ferraro, and yesterday's birthdays, there was one Walter Williams of the OJs, and Monty Hall from Let's Make a Deal turned, I could never believe this, 93 years old. Wow. Day in wrestling history, August 26, 1991, the Dragon Master, who was Gary Masters with Christopher Love. Defeated Jerry the King Lawler, Memphis, Tennessee, to win the USWA world title. And that's that. Awesome, awesome. Okay, uh, let's touch on uh, Raw, Dominic. I want to start with you. Just give me uh, a quick review on Raw. What your Raw, they wasted too much time with, with, with garbage and not giving us enough wrestling. The thing at the opening of the show with the three legends, John Cena coming out, that took way too long. The thing with the Bellas, with Jerry Lawler, took way too long. 
um, the so-called funeral of Dean Ambrose with the eulogy and and uh, corporate Kane out there took way too long. Not enough matches, too much garbage. Raw needs to go down to two hours, cut out all that shit, and just give us matches. Little storylines, little backstage promos is all right, but Monday night was a lousy show. The only highlight was the Goldust and Stardust turn and heel, and I enjoyed the end where Mark Henry and uh, Big Show came out and helped out John Cena against Bray Wyatt and Harper and Rowan. Uh, yeah, what do you think of uh, them turning heel? Stardust and Goldust. That surprised me. I really didn't expect that. Um, people were thinking that a Bray Wyatt would go further. He would say he didn't need Rowan and Harper, and they would have been fan favorites. But I think this came as a surprise that the Rhodes boys turned heel. Really, they, they got nobody else. They broke up all the other teams. Mm. Okay. JJ, what was your take on a Raw last night? Yeah, I mean, I agree uh, with Dominic, and I heard a lot of people online on Twitter and social media were saying the same thing. It wasn't exactly the best Monday Night Raw. We've seen a lot of good Raws. We've had some good matches before in the past few weeks. But uh, yesterday's Raw, there was just uh, a lot of talk, not a lot of action. As you mentioned, they had Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, kick off the show, and that was something they could have done on the pre-show on the WWE Network. They didn't have to include that a part of Monday Night Raw. It just felt, you know, very forced, and it didn't really add anything, and then basically just have Cena come out and confront them and say, you know, I'm going to go and beat Lesnar at the Night of Champions and all this. It just felt like a lot of it was unnecessary. They could have just had Cena come out, open the show, say he's going to challenge Lesnar one more time, but, you know, they bring the legends out, and, yeah, it's kind of cool to see Shawn Michaels back again. And, you know, they WWE have Hulk Hogan under contract, so why not just put him out there as often as you can, especially uh, Hogan and Flair. But uh, it, it just felt kind of flat for me. I just felt like it, it just wasn't that exciting, and it could have been a lot shorter. And, uh, as Dominic, there were lots of instances. You know, I didn't really mind – the uh, Bellas, I do think it went too long, but I like that. Uh, I think Nikki has been the breakout Bella, to be honest with you. I think Nikki has really stand in her own, her promos, the last few uh, two weeks or so, ever since she turned on Bree, She's showed a lot of character, something that's missing in the Divas division. We see Paige, and, you know, she's, a, she's an accomplished wrestler for her age. She's still pretty new and young to the business, even though she's been wrestling almost all her life. She's a second-generation wrestler. But one thing Paige has been lacking is just character, just personality. Right now she's imitating AJ, but she needs to develop her own character. And that's something we saw out of Nikki Bella. We saw character. We saw her, you know, just come out and just give it to Brie, and I enjoyed that aspect of it. The eulogy with, uh, you know, Dean Ambrose and that Rollins and Kane eliminated him uh, the last week with the curb kick on the cinder blocks. I didn't mind that either, but again, like Dominic said, it felt like it dragged on too long. They could have just went out there, had their little eulogy. They could have said a few things, and then Roman could have came in a lot sooner to, you know, end that. It, that actually reminded me of something you would see in the Attitude Era. How many times did we see 
uh, eulogies for either Stone Cold Steve Austin or, you know, The Rock, and you see Triple H or McMahon try to spoil things. So that was something that we've seen before. But, again, it just uh, it was just something missing. You know, with Randy Orton wasn't there. Chris Jericho wasn't there. Of course, Dean Ambrose wasn't there. It just felt like there was something really lacking on Raw uh, last night. You know, the, the match between Natty and Paige was – it just wasn't really much of anything. It just had AJ come out, and, you know, she hugged Paige, and it had this kind of awkward moment where they're frenemies. And uh, the Cesaro versus Van Damme match, that was maybe one of the highlights of the night. But, again, the one part where they're actually wrestling and you're excited for, even that ended. And it's a shame because when you have three hours, you should be able to put a quality match in, and yet we didn't see a nice quality match. I like Cesaro and Van Damme. I think Cesaro hopefully will have a memorable feud with Sheamus for the United States title, which we should see at Night of Champions. Uh, Swagger versus Rusev. Swagger tried to get redemption. He tried to make his country proud, but Rusev scored another victory. And then, of course, now we have Bo Dallas uh, sort of interfering and saying how Swagger is letting down the fans, how he's letting down his country. So I'm sure we're going to be seeing uh, a lot more Bo Dallas and Jack Swagger and hopefully Swagger will, will shut Bo Dallas up once and for all. But uh, they, like Dominic said, I was shocked to see the Rhodes brothers turn heel. I mean, I think we all expected at one point that maybe one of the brothers would turn heel and betray the other brother, but that wasn't the case. Both brothers turned heel, and both brothers were attacking the Usos. So I didn't see that coming at all. That was a, a pleasant surprise. I'm curious where that uh, direction is going to go with the, the Dust Brothers. So uh, I'm excited. I think the tag division needs a, a, a spark. And, you know, the Usos have beaten everybody there is. So now maybe with the, the Rose Brothers turning heel, there will be something new and fresh that we haven't seen. So I'm hoping they deliver uh, at Night of Champions, where usually every uh, championship is defended at Night of Champions. So hopefully we'll finally see the Usos and the Rose Brothers uh, have a nice quality uh, tag match. We saw Dolph Ziggler take on The Miz, but it wasn't actually The Miz. It was The Miz's stunt double, Damian Sandow. And uh, that match was just kind of a throwaway. I mean, it didn't even make sense to me because when the match was over and Ziggler got the win, you see The Miz was cheering Ziggler. I mean, he should have been upset. He should have felt embarrassed that, you know, the – Damian Sandow Miz was defeated. So I just felt like I, I didn't really see what the purpose of that was. I just felt they just did that. Uh, it just didn't feel right, and it just felt kind of like a waste of time. There was a, a pretty decent promo by Brock Lesnar. Of course, he wasn't there, but they taped it beforehand. And I think Brock Lesnar always uh, delivers these sort of memorable uh, pre-taped interviews. There's something about these pre-taped interviews that's very fascinating by Brock Lesnar, and he basically said that, you know, John Cena and his never-give-up hustle and loyalty, all that bullshit, I mean, it was a, a really great moment that got people uh, excited by Lesnar. I think the, the previous week when they were getting ready for SummerSlam, he mentioned he was going to leave Cena in vomit, piss, and blood. And this week, hey, uh, uh, let me interrupt you. Um, we do have our guest here. He is okay. a uh, formerly with the uh, ECW, 
one of the most hottest promotions in the world. People still look at it uh, at this time. Uh, ladies and gentlemen from across the world, you all remember Jason Knight. He was uh, the manager, wrestler. He did it all in ECW. Good evening, Jason. Uh, Jordan in from New York, Chicago, uh, JJ, and Dominic also from Queens, New York. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm fine. Fine. Feeling very well. How are you guys doing? That's great to hear. Awesome. Glad you're close Doing Let good, start, Jason. It's been a lot of years, bro, since ECW. Yeah, yeah, it's been a lot of years since <laughs> since I started back in 1977, the first time I entered the ring, and, uh, you know, still going strong, thank God. What promotion was Absolutely. that for in '77? Oh gosh, you know I I forget, you know to be honest with you because uh, you know you uh, you know back then you didn't really get to work for promotions, you know until you uh, you know you were established for quite a few years and you know it was just uh, you know basically you know we did little club shows and you know um, you know you belong to uh, to a wrestling gym and you know once once a month they would you know run shows and you know. Uh, we were privileged to be able to perform as uh, students. So, you know, a lot has changed since then. You know, now you have a locker room full of superstars that, <laughs> that are really not, you know, but, you know, in their own mind they are. So, you know, be that as it may, right? Yeah, and they should use the word yeah. wrestler again instead of superstar. Well, yeah, I mean, you know. But that's should, what they uh, are. It still says that on the marquee, wrestling. It don't say yeah, superstars well, tonight. Yeah, well, you know, unfortunately, you know, what it what says on, on the marquee and uh, what is being displayed out there are two separate. Yep, you know, indeed. Like that, and oranges, I hate to say it, you know, because, uh, you know, I love the business that I'm in, but, you know, I was listening, you know, a little bit to you guys talking about you know, I guess it was Monday Night Raw or whatever, you know, and I haven't watched wrestling on TV in so many years because, you know, it is not uh, for the lack of respect that I have for the performers. You know, I think they're, you know, wonderful other than the fact that, you know, they're, well, cookie cutter, unfortunately, because they're not really being educated the right way. And, you know, and, you know, then you hear some names and, you know, I hear, you know, I guess Bo Douglas and, you know, that isn't that uh, Mike Rotundo's son? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and you know, and I look back, you know, nineteen seven no, I'm sorry, nineteen eighty seven or eight when I wrestled uh Mike Rotondo you know, it's it's just amazing, you know, how uh, you know back then, you know, you wouldn't have to uh have a gimmick name, you know, to me it's like you know, well, you know, why wouldn't it be, you know, just uh, you know, another Rotondo, you know, to me it's much yeah. more marketable than, you know this one or that one, and, you know, you know, I mean, it's almost like, you know, you're begging for another mulligan, you know, but, you know, it's just, I don't know. You know it's, uh, Jason, uh, what was your finest moment in wrestling that you always look back and, and you say to yourself, wow, I wish, I, I always remember that moment. Probably, you know, you know, probably, you know, to be honest with you, uh, the last time I was in the ring, you know, last Saturday, every time is, you know, the, uh, the finest and the most finding moment because, you know, just being able to do what I do it, you know, I'm almost 51 years old and, you know, being able to, uh, you know, perform and, 
you know, it's, uh, you know, very, uh, you know, I know people say this or that, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, for me being given an opportunity to, uh, you know, wear the ECW television title and then, you know, to, uh, perform and being trusted to perform on, you know, many pay-per-views and, uh, uh, you know, that type of thing, you know, where you were actually being trusted to go out there, uh, probably it's up there, but, you know, every time, every time I get a chance to, uh, to wrestle, whether it's, you know, in front of hundreds of people or, you know, just a few dozen, you know, it's, uh, it's all good, you know? All right, JJ, go, uh, go ask the next question, please. Well, I'm glad that uh, you're doing good. So many times we hear stories of wrestlers who, you know, over the years, you know, their bodies are breaking down and they just, uh, it's, it's very sad to hear some of the stories. So I'm very happy, one, to hear that you're still able to go out there and that you're doing good and you're healthy. So that's uh, great news. Uh, you were just talking about, you know, cookie-cutter wrestlers and uh, with the WWE and the Performance Center where they're basically manufacturing, you know, their superstars to be a certain way and to look and act a certain way as compared to when you were brought into the business and when you were training and traveling the independent circuits. You know, uh, how do you think uh, how, how the business has changed over the years? Uh, what, what's your opinion on the performance center? Well, you know, I mean, uh, you know, just, you know, to go back, you know, as far as, you know, I just want to uh, say that I have been in trouble myself physically, you know, uh, had a few surgeries and, you know, you know, nearly, nearly died, uh, due to, you know, the injuries and, you know, other things and, you know, including depression and all that type of thing, you know, that, uh, you know, nearly, uh, you know, took my life, uh, in 2007, you know, and, uh, you know, what I decided to do is just, you know, train and train and go, you know, beyond, uh, beyond the pain and, you know, and, you know, not result to, uh, you know, painkillers and, you know, things like that, and, you know, kind of uh, threw that out of uh, out of my life, thankfully. Um, so, you know, it's just, you know, a whole lot of work, you know, it's either, you know, you face it or, or you don't, you know, because like I said, I nearly lost the battle with that. However, the way that business has changed and, you know, what I think, I don't know, you know, I think it's in trouble and, uh, it's a shame when a big fan like me does not want to watch professional wrestling. You know, when I when I see it, you know that you know it's Monday and it's eight or nine o'clock, and I see Raw is on. I, I do I do everything to avoid that channel or TNA or anything, basically for that matter, other than YouTube. You know, and you know I know I'm stuck in the past and everything, but for me, you know, because when I whenever I you know I turn it on, you know obviously it's very spectacular. It's no longer, you know, it has absolutely no charm whatsoever anymore. It's cheap, and it's just, you know, out there uh, in your face, and, you know, it's just, uh, you know, uh, I think these wonderful athletes are being shortchanged and, unfortunately, not not trained correctly, you know, because, you know, like I said, it's a cookie cutter, and, you know, they're great at what they do, but, you know, I don't, you know... uh, there are no more, you know, how, how many really um, uh, performers out there can really cut a promo, you know, out of 100, maybe three, if lucky, you know. And back in the day, you know, it, it was all, you know, very realistic, and, you know, that was a, a focal point, 
you know, cutting a promo and, you know, looking realistic and all that. And now everything is just, you know. And I've seen it back in the 90s, you know, when they were, like, uh, rehearsing stuff. Yeah. About same as they rehearsed our matches and everything. And, you know, unfortunately, as the late Bobby Jaggers would say, that, you know, no longer can two men meet for the first time from two different cities uh, and, you know, sit in the back and just, you know, talk about everything but the wrestling match and then, you know, come up with a finish, you know, the last moment and go out there and have a good match. You know, those days are gone because, you know, it's uh, it just, you know, I hate to say it, you know, well, our business has become garbage. And you brought up depression, and a lot of people, uh, you know, have their feelings about it. What did you think when you heard about Robin Williams, who suffered from depression? I know that it's a little off topic or pressing, but I want yeah. to get your take well, on it. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I mean, uh, I totally understand, you know, where all that is, uh, you know, I mean, you know, that, that battle really never ends, to be honest with you, you know, and you always have, you know, some horrible feelings um, that, you know, you have to battle. And, you know, I mean, I totally understand, you know, I don't, uh, uh, I, uh, you know, believe me, I've been there. So it's, uh, it's a horrible thing, you know, and, you know, for anybody to come to that point of complete desperation where you just, uh, you know, you completely give up and, and it's like, okay, you know, this is it, you know. I mean, for anyone to make, you know, that type of a decision, you know, it's, um, you know, it takes, um, it takes something, you know, and it's not, believe me, you know, people say, you know, coward's way out and all that. No, it takes a lot more guts than anybody would imagine, you know, to... Uh, I want to get to take on Todd Bridges' comment, uh, formerly from Different Strokes. He said it was a coward's way out, quote, for uh, Robin Williams to do what he did and leave his feel, leave his family high and dry. What's your thoughts when you hear something like that? Well, yeah, you know, I mean, we all have our opinions, and you know, I mean, we're all entitled to them, you know. And it may be right or wrong, you know, but you know, it's, uh, I mean, you know, I don't, you know, I tend not to judge anyone, uh, and you know, especially people that just you know open their mouth and you know, and nothing comes out but a fart. You know, and that's exactly what it is, you know. It's like, you know, I mean, you know, that's, uh, you know, because uh, it's almost like, I'm sorry, buddy, but, you know, you ought to, you know, you need to uh, take a, you know, not a verbal diuretic, but a verbal diuretic because it's all coming out of your mouth. You know, that man, you know, is saying, you know, that uh, is a coward's way out and whatever. So, you know, basically fuck him, you know. I mean, uh, pardon my, you know, language and, you know, uh, using it on air, but, really, you know, people like that, that, you know, just, uh, uh, it's almost like, you know, they open their mouth and just anything comes out. So, you know, they can go screw themselves and, you know, nobody knows what it is like, on, you know, unless you're dealing with it. So, you know, and, uh, you know, this yeah. is, uh, you know, not, not to put anyone out, but, you know, that's, it, it's just the way it is. You know, we all, you know, deal with our things and, you know, we, you know, day by day, we move on and, until you walk in somebody's shoes, you can't really judge them. Like, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I, you know, I think so. You know, so I mean, anybody can say, oh, you know, this and that. And, you know, uh, open the Bible and you know, uh, you know, reading all the phrases and all that. But you know, unless you're living it, you know, don't talk to me about it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you know that. Yeah, it, you know. But you know, I mean, um, 
show business is yes. rough any way you look at it. And, you know, we're, you know, uh, well, you know, basically, we're, you know, we're, we're pretty much to blame for whatever happened to us, you know, the, uh, the directions that we decided to take, you know, but it is what it is. Absolutely. Okay, Dominic. Yeah, the thing, uh, the thing I don't like is a couple of things we were talking about. When WWE brings in new guys and they bring them to, to the performance center to learn the WWE style, they all seem like they're all robots. And guys that don't belong in the performance center, they belong on the main roster immediately. I think McMahon makes a mistake with that. And regarding Robin Williams and the suicide thing, I don't think that's a coward's way out. You've got to have a lot of balls to take their own life. As yeah. depressing as life gets sometimes, yeah. I wouldn't have the balls to, to take myself out. No, but no way. Well, well, I hope you never do. I mean, that's... You know, yeah, I hope I never do it either. I tried it. <laughs> it's not fun. But in no. any case, you know... But yeah, you know the the whole thing with uh, you know, I I really wouldn't know because you know it's like you know it's so funny. You're saying um, you're mentioning performance center, and you know yeah. to me I don't even know what you know what it is. Is it? Uh, That's you know, where I, NXT I'm, is in in uh, Winter Park, Florida. Okay, okay I don't, yeah. Where the wrestlers go for the WWE, it's like the yeah. minor league, the NXT. Okay. And yeah. guys are up there that should belong on the main roster. Kenta Kobayashi yeah. from Japan, a.k.a. Ah. Kenta, belongs on the main yeah. roster. Kevin well, Steen yeah. from Ring of Honor belongs on the main roster. Yeah, I wouldn't know the other guy, but Kenta Kobayashi, right? You know, hasn't he been around for like 20 years or something like that? No, oh, this is Kenta Kobayashi, a different guy. Oh, Kobayashi, okay. Oh, yeah. right. But he, okay. he belongs on the main roster. A, a lot of those guys, like uh, when they brought in the guy that portrayed Sin Cara, the original guy. Mm-hmm. They sent him to the performance center, and he was one of the main guys in Mexico. Leave him alone. Yeah. But they want to make everybody man, so McMahon could market them and trademark their name and do whatever he does. And nobody's your own person like back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess so. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, uh, I, I don't know. You know, it's, uh, it's not like I said. It's not what it used to be. And you would think that. You know, the father of our business, meaning, you know, Vince McMahon would, you know, have more dignity and uh, more, um, uh, be more loyal to the business. But, you know, I guess it's not because it's all a matter of, you know, you got to realize that, you know, either way you look at it, it's a whole bunch of um, uh, shares and shareholders, and, you know, they could care less about, you know, uh, you know, professional wrestling or, you know, uh, the guys, and you know, who lives or who dies or who's going to be, you know, they just want to use up whatever it is, you know, and then, you know, it's pretty much like an old horse, you know, you use them until, you know, he falls to the ground and then you make uh, glue out of them, you know, yeah. <laughs> sounds like a glue factory. So that's basically, you know, what uh, what it is, you know, it's all the shareholders and, you know, the, the bastards and the sons of bitches, you know, that uh, sit there. And, you know, write stupid storylines, you know, uh, either to amuse themselves or, you know, to, uh, you know, to uh, to sell uh, merchandise. You know, they go home and they're 
they're all set, and you know, these guys are, you know, these kids are killing themselves in the ring, and you know, working seven days a week without a stop, and you know, for salary, and uh, you know, and pretty much, you know, how many that you would think, you know, should be doing so well, you know, they, you know, uh, you know, when they retire, they you know, they have nothing to show for, because you spend it all on the road, and you know, you you become completely uh, uh, dependent on, you know, other things. And, again, not not the fault of the business. You know, we all do it ourselves. But, you know, you're know, you you're put, put in a situation where, you know, there is no, uh, there is no uh, uh, loyalty. There is no, there is no uh, union, you know, because uh, if, if the wrestlers would, you know, simply say, well, you know, we're not performing, uh, you know, uh, 70 out of 100% to say, you know, we're not showing up, you know, to work until we have some something, you know, for everybody. We're talking, you know, uh, you know, the uh, the, uh, the jobbers and, you know, the top guys and all that, but, you know, they don't care because, you know, everybody just cares for themselves and any of the guys, you know, they would stab you in the back for 20 bucks or less, you know. So, you know, that's unfortunate. Absolutely. All right, JJ. Yeah, but back as you were discussing when you were the television champion in ECW, uh, you had some great series of matches with Mikey Whipwreck, and you would eventually go on to uh, sort of manage the Impact players. Uh, what was your time like uh, in the original ECW and uh, working with uh, Lance Storm, Justin Credible, and uh, Don Marie? Uh, well, you know, I didn't care for that too much. To be honest with you, I mean, you know, nothing against, you know, uh, they're, you know, wonderful people and everything. It's just, you know, I felt like a, you know, kind of like a fifth wheel because, you know, I didn't, you know, it was, uh, I was just there and, uh, you know, uh, I, you know, I really wanted to kind of move on on my own and, you know, uh, you know, that was the whole, the call. it was like, yeah, you know, I want to, you know, uh, separate you and, you know, the whole, the whole thing with the managing was, uh, when I came, and in 93, in the summer of 93, I had two lower back surgeries, you know, and then uh, already right before the winter, I had that first match, you know, with the, the public enemy, uh, Ian Roth and I, and, you know, I really wasn't allowed to be in the ring, so that's why I became a manager, and it was supposed to be, you know, until I got, you know, better and, and you know, go back to wrestling and all that, but, you know, then, you know, the gimmick worked pretty well in the beginning, and I actually enjoyed it in the beginning. Uh, unfortunately, later on as it progressed, you know, I started hating uh, uh, going to work, you know, and I became very, uh, 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 I was always very cooperative, but, you know, I started showing up late and, you know, uh, kind of like, you know, I never, you know, I never kissed anyone's ass, you know, like a lot of the uh, the other guys did that really made it to the top. <laughs> you know, there were, yeah, you know, I mean, it's true, you know, you know, the guys there, you know, they were like, you know, supposedly all these great superstars and innovators and all that. Basically, they were Paul's ass kissers, you know, and I'll tell them, you know, to their face because they're not going to do anything about it, you know. Uh, so, and they know it, you know, and God bless them all. I love them all, but you know what? They were a bunch of ass kissers and, uh, you know, uh, they... They would book their own matches and, you know, use guys like me that were 100% better than them and looked better 
better athletes, better wrestlers, and everything to put themselves over. You know, so uh, and it's true. You know, and basically, um, I started hating it, and I would show up, and you know, I wouldn't. You know, I would be, you know, Paul would be like, oh, we're going to do this and that. What do you think? And I would like, you know, do you really want the truth? Yeah, what do you think? Well, I hate it. I'll do it, but I hate it. Well, why do you hate it? You know, because it's stupid, you know? I mean, you know, it's like, wait a minute. You know, it was like uh, the whole thing, you know, for instance, when I did that match with Jazz uh, for the pay-per-view, right? You know, they wanted yeah. it to be the most idiotic, stupid, uh, friggin' old-school Memphis-style match, you know, comedy, you know? And, you know, I led him to believe that that's exactly what we're going to do. You know, five minutes of, you know, nothing but bullshit. And, uh, you know, for people to, you know, like very basic, you know, here comes a big guy and he's going to do a job for this, you know, uh, you know, young lady uh, who happens to be a great athlete, but it was, you know, was supposed to be so fake looking and everything. And that's exactly what Paul wanted. And, you know, his uh, butt buddies, you know, that were booking along with him, you know. And I was like, sure, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, we'll do five minutes of bullshit. Well, you know, we didn't, you know, because uh, we turned everything around. And, you know, we had a, a match that was worth watching, you know, on the pay-per-view. And it was one of the uh, better matches uh, on the pay-per-view, you know. And when we came back, uh, you know, through the doors, after what we did, you know, they couldn't say anything. Because, you know, it wasn't like, oh, my God, you know, you didn't listen to me, blah, blah, blah. It was like, oh, well, great job. And I'm like, well, yeah, I know. <laughs> You know, it was good. You know, we, we did what we, and, you know, it was just, you know, a whole lot of, uh, you know, a whole lot of uh, that kind of stuff because, you know, it, it's almost like, you know, the troubleshooter for ECW, uh, you know, I gave a lot of uh, a lot of the young talent their, uh, their tryout match, you know, including Jazz and uh, Lita and uh, C.W. Anderson, who else, uh, uh, few, you know, a few other, you know, people. You know, I was there, I gave them a tryout, you know, during the, uh, you know, nobody wanted to get in the ring with them because they thought they were, like, you know, too good for them. And they were afraid that, you know, oh, this guy's going to come in and, you know, take my spots, you know, because, like I said, you know, a lot of the boys are, you know, they're bitches and, you know, they, they will stab you in the back for 20 bucks or less. But, you know, I never felt, wow. you know, that or, or jealousy, you know, I don't have that within me, you know. And, um, you know, for you know, for me, being someone that can give someone an opportunity, you know, being you know that guy that can get it done, you know, that's my uh, that's my pride. You know, same thing when uh, what was it, Dreamer and uh, Dreamer and Jake, when they worked with uh, Credible and uh, Jack Victory, and uh, you know, Jake threw Victory out, not even giving a fuck, you know, and just you know broke his leg. Uh, and I uh, wow. had to jump in and, you know, finish the finish the match, you know. So, you know, like I said, you know, it was, uh, it was a lot of troubleshooting that had to be done, you know. And uh, uh, From your standpoint, was there anybody cool, like, outside of the ring that you, uh, you know, would hang out with? Anybody's, yeah, like? Yeah, Jack Victory, New Jack, and I, we were, like, you know, best of friends always. New Jack. Yeah, yeah, we were, like, best of friends, and hung out and, you know, uh, you know, uh, oh yeah, you know, we actually kicked some major ass on the road <laughs> when people fuck with us, but, you know, uh, I don't, I don't want to incriminate, us, but, you know, but yeah, you know, we were, you know, we were like an unlikely type, but, you know, very similar 
because, uh, you know, I mean, I have a gimmick, but, you know, it's like, don't let the gimmick fool you. But, uh, yeah, you know, him and I always got along really well. Jack Victory was awesome. And, you know, uh, 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 unfortunately, you know, I never really was friends with Credible or... or uh, uh, hey, plans. Yeah, you know, because, you know, we were like two separate entities. In fact, you know, DJ and I are now, are, you know, better friends than we were back then because, you know, he had his thing to do. You know, he was young and he was on top. And, you know, Paul... You know, I hadn't believed that he was, you know, so far above, you know, everyone else. And, you know, I'm not, I mean, I understand, you know, uh, you know, Paul can make anyone believe anything. So, yeah, it was, uh, you know, they told good. You know, I mean, uh, uh, there were good people. You know, Rob Price was a, always a, a good friend and a good man. You know, I loved hanging out with him. You know, back in the day, even, uh, even Bulls Mahoney, you know, we used to hang out back in the day, you know, that won't ever happen again, but, you know, because, you know, that's dead for me, but, uh, you know, we we were good friends back in the day. So, you know, it was... Uh, okay, Dominic. Uh, Kid Cash, you know, another yeah. one. Great guy. Great guy. And a, one of the best workers, hands down. Yeah, Kid Cash was excellent. Yeah. Awesome, Mike Awesome was excellent. Wonderful. You know, I used to like I used to, I used to like nine one one back in the day. Yeah, yeah, great guy too. Very, very good guy. Yeah, he know, did my hotline back in the day, and he was really a nice guy. Big Al, yeah, I yeah. think he could have. They could have did a lot better by him. Yeah, they could have. You know, I mean, it was all. You know, I mean, like I said, you know, there there were some of us that you know, unfortunately, we were you know, we were not used correctly, and uh, you know, we got screwed over, you know, in a big way. But you know, it, it, you know what it, it is. What it is, and what are you gonna do? You Jason, know? who was the black guy that used to come out to Sinatra's music? J T. Smith or J W. Smith? Smith? Oh no, J T. Smith. Yeah, yeah. J T. Yeah. He yeah. was. He was excellent. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, I mean, one of the uh, one of my favorites, and you know, such a good good person. You know, I mean, you know, there were, you know, ECW originals, you know, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm an original and a lot of us are, but, you know, I call them the original originals, you know, the guys that were there before me yeah, know, and the girls, you know, there was a, uh, you know, I mean, there were uh, a lot of people that are forgotten, you know, that, uh, you know, Stetson and Hot Body and, uh, you know, J.T. Smith and, you know, Rock and Rebel, all those guys. Wow, they Chuck Williams, yeah, I remember him. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, uh, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Larry Winters and... and uh, I remember him too, yeah. He was Drake an old AWA guy. Absolutely, I mean, you know, those guys, you know, they were, they were, you know, before, you know, I was there in 93, they were there before me while I was, like, with, you know, the NWA, you know, and, uh, I mean... Those are the original originals, you know, uh, Donnie Allen, you know, that would come in. Wow, Donnie Allen, I remember yeah, him too. Absolutely, you know. I mean, you know, super talented, you know, you know, deserves nothing but respect all those guys. You know, there were there were women, you know, there was uh, Angel, Angel Amorosa, you know, beautiful. Yeah, the other day was her birthday, the full-blooded, the full-breasted Italian, if you will, Riptide. Uh, no, 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 that's someone else. No, Angel Amorosa was way, you know, there way before, way before, um, Oh, Angel Orsini was Riptide. My bad. Yeah, yeah. Man. You know, and uh, I mean, all these, you know, there was uh, her and Tigra and, you know, uh, Sandman's uh, uh, wife at the time. 
uh, beaches, and you know they were, you know, those were the original originals. You know, oh, Sandman's uh, wife, yeah, I remember that angle where they kidnapped Sandman's son or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was, uh, yeah, that was like later on in the in the nineties, but yeah, but I mean, you know, we were, you know, all these, you know, all those people that were there, you know, you know, way before, just like Sandman, you know, he was the first guy that I really met and befriended when I, uh, you know, my first night in ECW. You know, we're He's like, hey, what's your name? And you know, we started talking, and then you know, he's like, hey, you know, you know, let's take a, you know, ride in my van, go get some beer and all that. So we're, you know, we became friends like that. So, you know, another, you know, another great guy, and you know, and all those guys, Salvatore Balomo, you know. Oh, uh, Sal Balomo, yeah, he did all them school shows later on with uh, yeah. for Tommy D. Yeah, him yeah. and the bodyguard yeah, I mean, for hire wrecked, wrecked the street bus. Because it was yeah, a street yeah. fight, and they took I it heard, to the yeah. streets in Brooklyn. I heard that, yeah, yeah. I think I saw a picture of that. Yeah, <laughs> I took a picture of the school bus with the busted window. And they yeah. were renting people's cars and shit. And they said the next day people went out to go to church, and their cars were dented. They didn't know what the hell happened. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, that was a JJ. wild one. Sal Balomo and the bodyguard for hire in the street. The whole yeah. church auditorium emptied out to go watch them fight up and down the streets in Brooklyn. Right. <laughs> yes. Okay, JJ. But while you guys are talking about the original originals, uh, how was ECW like before when it was Eastern Championship Wrestling and it was still affiliated with the NWA, and then they finally broke away and became Extreme Championship Wrestling? How much did ECW change once it separated from the NWA? Uh, well, I mean, you know, that was still, you know, a good time, uh, as far as that, I mean, you know, you know, pretty much, I mean, I'm sure all that was work anyway, you know, so that was just, you know, to, for shock value, it was a, you know, good way mm-hmm. for it to separate, which is all good, um, and it obviously it had, you know, the right person to do that, well, two, you know, three right people, uh, Obviously, uh, Todd Borden, Paul Heyman, and of course Shane Douglas. You know, probably the most complete champion. Uh, not probably, absolutely the most complete champion um, um, in the company. And uh, you know, it, it was you know it was still a good time for a bit. You know, until. Like I said, you know, uh, it, it almost became a revolving door later on because almost like anybody could just come into ECW, like people that didn't really belong there, you know. And a lot of uh, yeah. they were all they were all talented, you know. Don't get me wrong, you know, from WCW and you know, independent, uh, you know, it was almost like uh, you know they started being shoved, you know, yes. it became like yeah, overnight sensations, you know, like people that really you know didn't belong, you know, but. And you know, I don't want to mention names because you know it's not it's not cool, and I don't like to put anyone down. But you know, we all know. Toward the end, all those guys came in and really didn't belong there. You know, those are the ones that yeah. you know just you know almost like uh, made the company look like mm, it, it was. It became worse than WCW, honestly. You know, because like anybody That's could just walk in, you know. <laughs> What about Chris Candido and Bigelow, uh, the two guys that lost, uh, that were gone too soon? Oh, no. And any thoughts on Oh, no, those guys were, are you kidding me? Those guys, uh, you know, those guys can make anything look good. I mean, you know, they're, 
absolutely, uh, you know, they belong. And, you know, they were there. They were like, uh, you know, and both tremendous and humble. And, I mean, you know, really, uh, you know, they made the company, you know. But, you know, it was like other people that came later on. And, you know, they were like, you know, uh, leaving, you know, WCW or WWF at the time. And, you know, just came in and they kind of stunk up the place. You know, and it was just almost like too many bodies. And, you know, too, you know, it became uh, it became not a company that uh, that we worked so hard to establish. You know, it almost became like very cheap. And, you know, because Paul just it was almost like you know he just uh, cheapened it by opening doors. You know, and uh, it was just like extra bodies coming in. You know. And, uh, when Todd Gordon was there, what what was your feelings on him? Wonderful, one of the most unselfish people that I've ever met in my in my life. Todd Gordon, I just you know, absolutely one of the most unselfish people. I mean, you know, that man really truly loves professional wrestling, and he loves. Uh, um, he's a true friend to the boys, you know, and he you know you know how much he did you know, for our business where, you know, it cost him out of his own pockets really and truly, you know, just because of his pure, absolute passion for the business, you know, uh, where, you know, uh, um, you know, and I'm sure, you know, you know, so much heat that he had, you know, I'm, uh, you know, with, uh, with his wife at the time and, uh, you know, the whole thing, you know, I don't want to get, you know, expose his personal life, but I'm sure there was just so much, uh, heat that he had to deal with, you know, for what he did for uh, for us, you know, and so many shows, you know, so many Sundays that he would put money up, you know, for us to work and get paid, you know, just so we would, uh, we would work and, you know, all those, uh, all those uh, TV shows um, in, I think it was Hamburg, you know, right after uh, the big show on a Saturday in Philly, where we would have like 12 people in the audience and everybody gets paid and, you know just for us to be on TV and all that. I mean, Todd Gordon is one of the most unselfish people that I've ever met in my life, and I love it dearly. Oh, wow. What was it like uh, working with Nicole Bass? Nicole, uh, you know, I, I've known her for a long time because I used to uh, train at a gym well, where her late husband and her owned it, and uh, actually, when I was competing in bodybuilding, you know, she she was uh, one of the judges. You know, didn't really give me good points, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> whatever, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because uh, you know she had to uh, she had to put over uh, bodybuilders from her own gym, you know. So, <laughs> and plus they were probably a lot bigger than I was anyway. In any case. Uh, really, you know, hell of a look, and you know, I saw her at the gym, and I was like, hey, you know, you need to, uh, you know, get into the wrestling business, and she literally came in uh, to Elks Lodge. Uh, it was like a day after Christmas, and I was like, you need to be there, and we taught her how to do a power bomb in uh, in the locker room. She performed it on a cobble, Marquez. And, you know, she was right. like an organization, you know, and, uh, you know, supposed, you know, I, I think, you know, you know, uh, incredible. But, you know, I mean, she came in at a later, you know, part of her, you know, her life and didn't start uh, young and, you know, didn't really completely understand the business. I think now she does. And, you know, I mean, uh, it was, uh, 
you know, definitely, you know, extremely marketable. And, you know, she she does very well for herself. I mean, you know, she's been she's been to uh, places where uh, many have not, you know, and it's, you know, due to her look and, uh, and you know, she's a you know, wonderful girl and all that. You know, I love Nicole very much. Okay, Dominic. Yeah, some of the other ladies that were in and out of there, Beulah, Francine, mm-hmm. Yeah. When you talked about Shane Douglas, that was that yeah. guy was great. The franchise, yeah. yeah, wonderful. In fact, you know, I mean, I I was uh, recently uh, at the ECW arena. They had the uh, the show, the uh, the induction, you know, for the Pitbulls and Shane and and uh, Gary Wolf and him. You know, they wrestled. Let me tell you something. Those guys did not let you know uh, lost a step. In fact, last Saturday I wrestled Gary Wolf in Queens, and you know, I mean, just. You know, so much fun to, uh, you know, to wrestle, you know, those guys. And, you know, Shane just, him and Shane and those guys just, they are absolutely, they're not lost a step. They look great. They're healthy. And, you know, I'm just very happy for them. And, you know, I'm happy to see them around. And, you know, uh, the fact that, you know, they're still there, you know, they make the business, you know, uh, very much credible, you know. And so many great tag teams were in ECW. My God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I mean, as far as the ladies, you know, I think that uh, uh, I think that uh, Teresa Bueller, you know, is probably one of the most naturally uh, uh, beautiful women that yes. you know, just had that, you know, absolutely something. You know, she didn't really have to do much. She would just sit there and you know. Uh, you know, you always, you know, as your eyes kind of like uh, go around the room, you know, you always, you know, they would, it would always stop at her. You know, she wouldn't have to do much. She would just be sitting there and just had something very, very, you know, or has something. You know, she's so beautiful, you know, uh, wonderful about her. You know, and I, I, I always... Uh, I always thought that uh, she belonged there very much, you know. And then, you know, other women, you know, here and there, you know, I mean, they were wonderful. Delmarie, you know, Delmarie, you know, I always admired her because she worked very, very hard at, you know, what she wanted, you know. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, took care of herself and, you know, with the uh, training and dieting and, you know, all that. So, you know, I'm definitely. Uh, okay, great. Serves. Yes. JJ, let's go over to you. Yeah, I mean, okay. We were talking about uh, when you first kind of started back in about 93 or so, and uh, you were part of those early uh, Monday Night Raws when they first became uh, live, or not live, but when they were taped in New York every week. Uh, What was it like to be a part of the WWE in 93 and then to come back to it for the ECW one-night stand uh, in 2006? You know, I mean, it was uh, honestly, you know, I mean, back in the day, you know, I'm very grateful to have been a part of the era, you know, where we used to be, you know, mid-carters, jobbers, whatever you want to call it, you know. We had a job, right? <laughs> and we got paid. And, uh, you know, for both companies, meaning, you know, NWA, WCW, and uh, the World Wrestling Federation at the time. And then, you know, when we came back, it was pretty much just, uh, you know, I knew, you know, I mean, I've been around the business a long time. Nobody can bullshit me or fool me. You know, I knew it was all going to be just free money, you know. And not, nothing was going to turn out of it, you know. It was all designed, you know, just to uh, to bury the product. And I knew that, you know. So, 
you know, nobody, you know, uh, Paul or Dreamer, or, you know, they can't call me and say, oh, I think we're trying something. You know, I, you know, I, <laughs> I know how to look past that and like, yeah, yeah, okay, right. You know, you guys, you know, because they knew it all along, you know. I mean, yeah. uh, I always say it, you know, like I said, if they get mad or not, you know, they can kiss my ass. But, you know, they all knew that, you know, the company was being sold right from under and we were all going to, you know, get fucked in the end. And uh, they, you know, they knew where they were going. And it was, uh, you know, a bunch of those guys like, you know, Dreamer, Taz, Raven, Sandman, uh, and a few others, you know. Dudley's obviously they knew, you know, where where it was all going, you know, and they would they were gonna succeed and the rest of us were getting fucked. So, you know, they took care of their own asses and I mean, you know, you can't blame them, right? Because, yeah. you know, we all do what we need to do. It's just that, you know, I hate it when they, you know, love oh, we didn't know, you know, that Paul was gonna you knew it all along. You know, they were all in cahoots. They all knew that, you know, the company was not to last not even ten years. Eight to ten years, under ten years, the company was designed to last. You know they uh, um, they you know messed Todd Gordon over. You know Eddie Gilbert got messed over uh, uh, in '93. It was actually my first night there, and I knew exactly you know what was going on. And you know when Paul was, Paul was telling me, "Oh, Jason, you know I want to you know see what you know ten twenty years down the line." I'm like, "Yeah, right. You know this is not going to last even, even ten years," and I knew it. You know, because of the way, you know, it was all, everything was going way too fast. And all that ECW for those guys, again, I have no hatred for them, you know, and if they want to, you know, approach me and say something, you know, they can kiss my ass because they can't do anything else about it. And I'm not going to lie or bullshit, you know. Again, you know, <laughs> no hatred. No, I mean, you know, what are they going to do? You know, you just kiss my ass and that's about it. You can't kick it. You know, good luck with that. <laughs> So, uh, what do you think? Uh, what do you think of yeah. DCW uh, going longer? Like you said, eight years is not too long. But uh, in your no, opinion, no, what was no. the cause? And everything what could have made DCW? Nothing. Everything. You know, all that. Listen, in eight years, what they did should have been uh, extended over twenty year period of time. Everything was rushed, and I knew that you know this was going. You know. It was just road to damnation, and I knew it, you know. I mean, I knew exactly, you know, that I said these guys are just building a resume for them because they're going to go to WCW or uh, or WWF, you know, and all that time they were in cahoots, you know. And, I mean, it's, it, it's a fact. I mean, come on, you know. Uh, are we going to be stupid, ignorant about it, or, you know, I don't need to kiss anyone's ass, you know, now. I never did then, and I'm not about to do it now. You know, because I know exactly, you know, they played their cards to their favor. And, again, you know, I don't blame them. Uh, do I curse them about it? Yes, I do, you know. I mean, you know, uh, I think it was a scumbag move. But be that as it may, because, you know, I guess we all take care of one another. Would I do it that way? No, because I'm a different type of a person, you know. You know, people, you know, people, there are people who just, you know, don't really give a fuck about others and, you know, and, you know, it's the same so, now because, pardon? I said it's so true what you're saying. Yeah. And, you know, right now, you know, some of them are, you know, running their own companies. They won't even, you know, uh, return a phone call. And I'm like, hey, you know, I'm not asking for much, you know, just, you know, uh, you know, I look like a million dollars and I work, 
better than, you know, most of the guys half my age. You know, I, I can run circles around me. But, you know, you think I get a phone call back, you know, nope. Because, uh, you know, I don't know for what or for whatever reason, but I was good enough when I was fucking cutting my, cutting my head every night and doing jobs for you and getting my neck broken. So well, that you can, you know, uh, get yourself all and, uh, and be on top of the world, you know. So to me, that's kind of a, you know, that's kind of a scumbag move. But, you know, again, you know, that's it's the nature of the beast, right? Well, I always say karma is the, is the nature of the beast also. And karma does collect. And if you believe Tupac got killed by Suge Knight, just look what happened to Suge Knight the other night. So there you go. Karma comes. It doesn't stop a hold for anybody. Yeah, whatever. You know, I mean, you know, I, I, you know what, like I said, you know, I, I have nothing but love and I wish everybody the best and, you know, but I have no hair on my tongue. I'm not going to, you know, uh, like I said, I never kissed any ass before and I'm not about to do it now. And, you know, I mean, uh, you know, anyone who doesn't like it, you know, they can basically, you know, uh, kneel and bob. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dominic, your turn. Yeah, do you um, do you keep in touch with any of the old time guys like maybe Bill Alfonso or Judge Je- Judge Jeff Jones? I haven't Perry seen Jeff Jones in a while. No, you know, I mean Perry. You know, I always uh, well, I met Perry uh, back in you know actually Perry and I met back in a day in um, Massachusetts when we were both you know doing uh, TV shots for uh, uh, WWF. And then, you know, I saw him later on, like, wait a minute, you know, I, we know each other, right? You know, when I became their manager and, you know, uh, I haven't seen Perry in a while, you know, tremendous athlete and a wrestler and everything. Another guy, always, uh, I respect because he just says, it, you know, the way it is and, you know, doesn't, uh, doesn't, uh, you know, pull any punches. And um, I haven't seen, I've seen New Jack uh, in a couple of conventions, and that was fun. Uh, we got drunk, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, I, Is that all? And you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 But no, you know, we, uh, yeah, and I've seen, you know, uh, I worked with Gary Wolf the other night, and seen a, you know, a few, uh, few guys, and you know, just uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not too uh, impressed with the new generation of, you know, the independent wrestlers, for the most part, there are several, you know, very, you know, very nice young people that are, you know, curve. but, you know, mostly it's like, you know, I, I just need to walk away because it's like, uh, gosh, you know, it's like, you know, you're lucky if you, if you get a, you know, it's almost like, you know, they're too cheap to give you a smile, never mind a fucking handshake, you know, they think they're too good, you know, and it's like, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, good thing that I'm that I'm not a bully because I feel, you know, honestly, I feel like beating the fuck out of him right in front of the locker room, you know, embarrassing him. But, you know, it's like, all right, we're not going to do that because, you know, what happens these days, you know, the boys are, you know, they're they're a bunch of pussies, you know, they'll call the cops on you. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, you can't even kick anyone's ass anymore, you know, because, what, you know, they all want to act like a you know a bunch of tough guys walk around you know all roided up and you know you kick their ass they're gonna call the cops on you you know and put you in jail. <laughs> Who <are> you? Um, <laughs> okay, JJ, let's go over you. 
Um, what is? I know you don't keep up with a lot of the current uh, wrestling, as you mentioned, WWE and TNA, but what are your thoughts on the situation with TNA? I mean, they've, they've been around for 12 years, but now they're going to potentially be losing their television deal. I mean, what do you think of uh, their situation, and what could they do to stay on? I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, you know, you know to me, it's, uh, I think it's all, you know, mismanagement because, you know, that's the problem when you, you know, for me, you know, you know, this is where I see the problem in the business. It's like, you know, when I, you know, I ran a small company, you know, company, if you want to call it. It was an independent little thing, you know, that I wanted to promote, you know, give my students uh, from my wrestling school an opportunity, you know, to perform. You know, some of them did well. Uh, you know, like Velvet Sky, for instance, you know, she, you know, she did really well for herself, and, you know, uh, I trained her. And, uh you know, and, 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 you know, a few others. And it, it's almost like I never found a need to hire someone to do something that I need to do, you know, because if I'm in the business or they say, you know, write or rewrite, you know, first of all, that's stupid because the storylines, you know, forget about all that, you know. Professional wrestlers need to be professional wrestlers. A professional wrestler should never have uh, an extra occupation, like, you know, to be a dancer or to be this or to be that, you know, that's all stupid, you know. It's, I mean, I, I can understand a certain character or gimmick, you know, like a cowboy, if you're like a blackjack mulligan or whatever, you know. But, I mean, yeah. once you start, um, you know, once you start riding on a horse and all that, you know, to the rim, you know, it's stupid. You know, you're, you're, you know, you're throwing the business away. And, you know, it's, it's almost like I don't know what should be done. I think that... Uh, you know, it's mismanagement, and if I'm going to run a company and I'm a wrestler and I've done it and I've learned from the best, like, you know, Paul Hammond and Eddie Graham and, you know, Bill uh, uh, Watson, those guys, you know, the Crockett's, you know, those are my, uh, those are actually my uh, my heroes. And, right. you know, I will run the business on my own, not hire some guy to write a storyline. What fucking story? What are you talking about? Or, you know, you know, I don't need to book her. I will book the matches myself. I will take suggestions and all that. But, you know, all this, you know, this guy should be this character or that, you know, that's killing the business. And it's too much, you know. And it's just way oversaturated with, uh, with uh, silliness. And I think that's what kills it because, you know, 12 years and look, I mean, you know, they lasted longer than the ECW, right? And yeah. it's a shame that, you know, here's a company and now you're just leaving it, you know, to one, you know, to that fucking Hitler uh, of uh, of the business, uh, Vince McMahon, right? So instead of, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, instead of really, you know, and everybody else that fucking, you know, sold their assets to him, you know, just opens it wide, you know, so he can stick it in, you know, because nobody has any uh, any honor anymore, you know? And it's and, and the fact is that, you know, instead of this company fighting to stay on top, and, you know, and, and, and having, you know, some kind of a stronghold and having someone in the office to say that, you know, all these other guys that just came in, you know, how many, you know, that company has been raped by all these so-called legends that came yeah. in and they run, they run the company in the back, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, write checks for themselves. Uh, the really good workers are starving. Well, you know, guys, uh, you know, um, great athletes like staying and those guys, you know, they're making the top dollar, right, and just doing nothing, you know. 
And uh, <laughs> meanwhile, all these, uh, you know, uh, you know, the, these older guys that have already been there and done that, you know, they're making all kinds of money, writing pretty much blank checks for themselves. And these other kids that are awesome, they're starving. And now, where are they going to go? You know, I mean, really, uh, it's 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 a shame. You know that, uh, and, uh, and you know, look at what's going to end up now. Now it's going to be the WWF and that you know um, self-centered uh, egomaniac. You know that uh, does nothing but uh, you know pretty much um, he, he you know he lives under self-hypnosis that he's uh, the greatest thing in the world. You know, and, uh, you know, meeting Vince McMahon and, you know, and everyone else that's around him. I mean, it's almost like it's, he's like a fucking poison fish. Every time he pisses in water, you know, it's like he contaminates it, you know, and everyone else around him just gets, you know, uh, to be like him. You know, it's a shame because, um, you know, something so sacred and beautiful that used to be has become unbearable, you know. Right. So what are you doing now? You were in in Queens over the weekend, right? Yeah. Uh, Last weekend. Yeah. Which company was that? There was a World Wrestling Organization. It's a, you know, it's a company that was, um, I think back in the 80s, 90s, you know, they they ran and they stopped, you know, now a bunch of really good guys, you know, they they, um, brought it back. And you know they're you know they're doing you know their best and you know they treat everybody well so you know it was a it was a lot of fun you know I mean you know very good you know match booked you know between Gary Wolf and I and we became a tag team after the match and all that so I think we're gonna do really well I hope you know so you know it's a you know another independent company that's you know you know really doing their best and you know they work hard and they they promote and. You know, it was a uh, was a lot of fun. So you know, I'm, and uh, yeah, do you have any upcoming dates or anything that you want to mention? Yeah, you know, I've got something. Let me see. I actually, hang on a second. Let me look into my look in my inbox because Gino Caruso just uh, oh Gino, inboxed. yeah, ten four. You available? And I said, yes. Okay, Walden, New York. Thanks. Always great to see you. Thank you, Gino. <laughs> so, okay. Walden, New York. So, so what's the uh, date on that one? Pardon? Ten, what's the date on your next show? 10 slash 4. Awesome, awesome. Okay, and uh, you have a Twitter, uh, website, Facebook, anything you want to pull? Yeah, Facebook, uh, Twitter, I think I'll get back on that, you know, uh, uh, it was, uh, I don't, never really care for Twitter, I think it's, uh, you know, kind of, it's even more stupid than the Facebook, <laughs> Facebook is <laughs> bad enough, but, you know, we, you know, we all, you know, we kind of need it. Absolutely, Facebook, you know. well, thank yeah, you for the yeah. awesome interview, we really appreciate it, I hope you come back, time. Yeah. and, uh, yeah, really appreciate it, and uh, thank you for your honest words. Anytime. Thank you so much, Jason. Yeah, you know, if you've come, you know, uh, if you come here looking for lies, you've come to the wrong place. <laughs> 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 Only the truth. <laughs> and 
from the heart. <laughs> you guys, you know, you guys Definitely have a wonderful is. evening, and, you know, and be healthy, and, you know, my best wishes to you all and to everyone. Hey, Jason, it was a pleasure, bro. Stay well. My, my pleasure. Thank you. Good all night. The best. We'll have you again. Thanks a lot, Jason. Okay, that was uh, Jason Knight, formerly with ECW, and Dominic, he didn't uh, hold back at all. Nah, because I go back to the old-time days, like him. I'm a wrestling purist. WWE is full of gimmicks now. They want everybody yeah. to work WWE style. Yeah. McMahon had stopped doing that for a while. Like back in the day, he had the clown, he had the, the plumber, he had the hockey player. He stopped doing that for a while. Now he's doing it again with guys like Fandango, Bo Dallas. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all stupid gimmicks. They're all stupid gimmicks that gifted workers probably don't even need. I think Bo Dallas can can, can work good without that stupid gimmick. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about master, but yes. Yeah. You definitely. And Fandango is Johnny Curtis. He's been around for a while. I think he's learned more than he's showing. Right now he comes out and dances and does a couple of leg drops and that's it. I I think he's a lot better than he's really showing us. And JJ, your thoughts on Jason? I thought he gave uh, a, a very candid interview. Oh, yeah, he didn't hold uh, anything back. He was honest. You know, he was genuine. Uh, like he said, you know, he's not here to, to kiss anybody's ass. He he was very forthcoming. And like uh, Dominic said, he has that, you know, old school mentality, you know. He, you know, he'll shoot with you and, you know, he'll tell you to your face. He's not someone to talk behind anyone's back. And he didn't want to talk behind anybody's back. He didn't say anything that he wouldn't say to someone's face. So, I mean, I really appreciated that. Yep, right on the money with that, yep. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, wow, it sounds like if you read through the lines, he might have been talking about the Dolly's and Tommy Dreamer when he was mentioning certain people because they ran stuff in the quote the newer ECW. So I think that's I think that's who he was making reference to myself. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> promoters like uh, Dreamer has his own promotion, the House of Hardcore, and that, you know, all he could really do is pick up a phone and he could invite him to, you know, his own promotion, and yet he hasn't. So it's unfortunate. No question, no question about it. See, okay, Jason, we being old school, about... he's one of the guys that I'd invite if I had my own promotion, for sure. Oh, yeah, he's a oh, yeah. great worker. Yeah. One. 51. I mean, I thought when I was watching him in ECW, he was only in his 30s, so apparently he was older. Did he say 51 so he was, or 61? I thought he said 51. 51. Yeah. I don't know. The, the, the phone static at that point, and I said, this guy came yeah. to 61. Well, I yeah. got December 12, 1963. So that would be... 73, 213. Uh, damn. Uh, that would be 50, 60. Did I come yeah, up to 60? Be... I don't know. Oh, I suck at One of you guys do it. <laughs> he'll be 51 this December, I believe. Oh, 51. Okay. I knew it couldn't have been 61. So, he does, so he's technically still 50, and he was modest enough to say that he's 51 because 
technically you're the age that the year you were born, but a lot of people, when they get to, like, that age, will not say 51 until they actually are 51. So, Jason, I give you, you know, if you're listening to this now, mad props to you. You spoke your mind. I've had guests on here before who just hold back. Not this guy. You know, he might not put it. He might not have been the whole fucking show on the card, but on tonight's card, he was the whole fucking show, and he gave us a great interview. He didn't hold back. Uh, he said you'd kiss my ass to those guys, and you know, Dominic, I respect the honesty. Yeah, me too. Me too. He was he was honest and dead on, and he was great. He was great. I always liked Jason Knight. No question. Okay, Bo Dallas, we were talking about earlier. Um, I found a great clip from the Solomon Flash TV track YouTube. Let's take a listen. Debate on the other side about Bo. Dallas. So a lot of stories out on the web this week on the dirt sheets and all that kind of stuff that WWE has allegedly already given up on Bo Dallas. They've already given up on him, and I think we could we could kind of tell that because. They had him lose to R-Truth a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago maybe it was now, on Raw. He had this undefeated streak going that had so much comedic potential. And they killed it. They killed it and had R-Truth be the one to beat him. R-Truth, who has not done anything significant, I think, since he and Miz teamed up against The Rock and John Cena at Survivor Series in 2011. And they did it seemingly to start showing a a meaner side of Bo Dallas. He's got a real mean streak in him. I think they had a rematch on SmackDown that week, and I, I think, I don't remember if uh, Truth beat him again. Maybe it was a DQ, but, like, Bo Dallas beat him down, and I thought to myself, you know what, I still hate that they broke the streak. There was so much potential there, but, okay, maybe they're finally going to take the character in a, in a more serious direction and move him, you know, into uh, an actual feud, an actual program. Where has Bo Dallas been since then? It's, it's kind of similar to the Big E, Xavier Woods, Kofi stuff, right? Similar to that, where it's almost like they started in a certain direction, but now we haven't even seen the guy. Maybe he's been on SmackDown. SmackDown doesn't count. In the eyes of most people, SmackDown does not count. It is the B show. I would argue that SmackDown is, is maybe the C show. I watch NXT. I don't watch SmackDown. But Raw is the A show. Raw is what matters. And the guy hasn't even been on Raw. So it was never about giving him a mean streak. It was never about any of that. It was about, we've given up on the guy. Yeah, I could believe that. I could believe that those rumors are probably true. Because I saw it with my own two eyes. They ended the streak for no reason and had nothing for him. And now he's not even on, on the A-show. He's not even showing up on television. And it pisses me off. Because no matter what you thought of the Bo Dallas character, just like Tyler Breeze, if Tyler Breeze is ever promoted to the main roster, there's going to be a lot of people who look at the guy and they probably shake their heads and think, I don't get it. What's the big deal? Hopefully when they see him working, they'll, they'll you know, understand at least some of the love for the guy. He's actually really good. But the problem is, I don't want to see Tyler Breeze brought up to the main roster if Bo Dallas is an example of what's in, in his future. And that goes for a lot of the great guys. Sami Zayn is a guy who I think is probably earmarked for the main roster sooner rather than later. I would like to think that he's good enough where they can't possibly give up on Sami Zayn. But then I, I say to myself, can they? Of course they can. 
They've given up on, on guys before who were good because they don't have any patience. They have no patience. They have zero patience at all. Why would you give up that quickly on a guy? Why wouldn't you just ride the wave of that undefeated streak? Let Bo Dallas hit 22-0 and and start gloating on television that, hey, I beat the Undertaker streak. The Undertaker only went 21-0 and before he lost. I went 22-0. and And then, you know, hopefully at that point, you, if you want to break the streak, that's fine. I mean, my idea for Sami Zayn to bring him up to the main roster was that he should have been the one to break the streak. Here's this guy being brought up that a lot of people probably don't know. Not everybody's going to know who Sami Zayn is. And Bo Dallas can be all like, oh, hey, little buddy, how you doing? You know, I see you're getting your first shot here on Raw, you know. Good luck. And, you know, Sami Zayn, ever the underdog, gets a win. People go crazy. They love it. They cheer for him. And Bo Dallas can't believe it. And he attacks him. And at least it gives Bo Dallas now something to do, and it gives Sami Zayn something to do right out of the gate. You've got these two NXT guys now who are going to feud on the main roster. And, and you go from there. I mean, that, again, that's just an idea. I'm just spitballing here. But to hear that they've already given up on Bo Dallas is just its infuriating. It is absolutely infuriating to me because I thought, foolishly, foolish of me, that the reports of Triple H – not wanting to bring anybody up from NXT unless there were long-term plans in place for them. As naive, I guess, as I allowed myself to be, I believed that when I read that. I believed that that was, that was the case because NXT is Triple H's baby. I'm sure Triple H wants to see these guys succeed. You think a guy like Triple H, who oversees developmental, wants Bo Dallas, who was the NXT champion for how many days they, they – bantered about how 200 days, 300 days as the NXT champion, and this guy comes to the main roster, and now they've given up on him, supposedly? That reflects poorly on Triple H. I'm sure it's not his decision. You know, the buck stops with Vince McMahon. And this guy had something. Even if you're not a big Bo Dallas fan, you know, you could... I'm not, he doesn't have to be a world heavyweight champion, for crying out loud. He has to be a, a solid mid-card act. If he's a comedy act, then make him a comedy act. If that's what he's good at, then fine. But to hear that they've already given up on the guy, it's been two months. You know? It's been two months. What are you, what are you giving up so quickly for? Do you know how many guys that you and I, as wrestling fans back in the 90s and the 80s, some of you go back even further than that, can you imagine how many of those guys who went on to be legends and Hall of Famers would never have made it to that level. We wouldn't even know their names today if they came up today and they were given up on as quickly as these guys are being given up on now. I mean, just, just think about it. Think about all those guys that have gone on to be some of the biggest names in the history of this, of this industry. And it never would have happened had they come up now or had the mentality been the same then where it was all about television, ratings, and everything else. And if the guy didn't click and didn't get over within three weeks, into the scrap heap you go. It's kind of like now with what they look for when they bring guys into developmental. You know, you think about guys like Dusty Rhodes back in the day or a Harley Race, even a Ric Flair. Do you really honestly think those guys would have gotten a second look had they tried out now to be, you know, a wrestler in WWE? Of course not. Or even if they were, if they were brought in, they never would have made it past a certain level. Yeah, the, the mentality has changed so much, and I think it's, it's destructive is what it is. So I look at a guy like Tyler Breeze, who I rave about every week. I'm into the character. I think he's a good wrestler. I'm into the act. I love it. It's one of my favorite parts of the show. 
And the goal for NXT is always, well, can't wait to see what they, what they have in store for these guys when they make it to the main roster. Making it to the main roster is like the holy grail, right? And I'm sure these guys want to get to the main roster because they want to be on TV, they want to make more money, they want to succeed. You know, they're very ambitious. I'm sure that's how they feel. As a fan, I look at this and I say to myself, I don't want Tyler Breeze on Raw or SmackDown. I want him to stay right where he is. I want Sami Zayn to stay right where he is. And with all these guys they're bringing in now, Kevin Steen, Devitt, Kenta, and the guys they have with Breeze and Neville and Zayn, okay, and some of the tag teams, Kaz and Enzo, they have a thir- they have like a third brand that they've developed now. I almost want them to just stay right where they are and just enjoy NXT as a brand all unto itself because it's obvious to me that when they bring these guys up, for every five guys they bring up, one or two are going to make it. And it's not because these guys aren't any good. One or two will make it in spite of the shit that they have to go up against when they make it to the main roster. And I don't know why it has to be that way. These guys work for you. They belong to you. They're signed to a contract for your company. You are sabotaging these people. For what purpose? Please, someone explain that to me. It it just doesn't make any sense. It just does not make any sense. Okay, uh, JJ, uh, what is your thoughts on that commentary? I thought it was very interesting. JJ? He started talking, but I don't know what happened. JJ, you there? He's, uh, okay, he's probably going to call back in. Dominic, what was your take on that? Well, I don't, I I can't follow NXT because I don't have the network. But my idea is if WWE is going to put the same guys on both shows, on Raw and SmackDown, why not just take SmackDown off and put NXT on regular TV on Sci-Fi? So we can see that. Let me see, uh, JJ is back. JJ, are you? Uh, can you hear us? Yeah. Sorry, guys. My phone got uh, disconnected. Oh, okay. Yeah, but uh, okay. Dominic continued. I was enjoying what he was saying. <laughs> okay, yeah. All Dominic. right. Yeah. All right. The the clip that you played, maybe that guy was right. Who whoever that is, and keep NXT just as a separate entity. I'd love right. to see NXT on TV because I don't have the network. And like I was saying, if the guys are going to be on Raw and SmackDown and main, and main event and superstars, just get rid of SmackDown. Because like that commentator said, that's not maybe even the B show, that's the C show. If NXT is that good, leave the guys alone. And put them on Smack and and get rid of SmackDown and put NXT on Sci-Fi. Yeah. I bet she gets viewers. And then about the Bo Dallas thing, I say give up on the gimmick, yeah. not the wrestler. Give the wrestler something else. Try something else if the Bo Dallas thing isn't getting over. Years ago, what they used to do with a guy when they didn't know what to do with him, they'd let him disappear for a while and come back with a different look either a different haircut or a 
different look entirely or a mask. And a lot of times that would work. You don't give up on the wrestler. You give up on the stupid gimmick. Yeah, uh, the gimmick was okay at first, I, I guess. People took to it. But uh, at this point, no. Uh, so say you, JJ. Yeah, I mean, uh, that clip uh, made some excellent points, as well as Dominic. I agree. I think SmackDown is just a throwaway show. You have Raw. It's three hours. Uh, they have main event. That's another hour. You could just do away with SmackDown. Well, no, I will say this with the SmackDown. Sorry to interrupt you. I will say this with SmackDown. I am very ecstatic. Not ecstatic, but I am very uh, curious to see uh, it on Thursdays because... Yeah. Uh, quite frankly, I have never watched a Friday night. I probably watched a couple, but when it was on Thursdays, for, for better or for worse, I watched SmackDown. And that was a long time ago, but it, it, it's a weekday. It just, it's, it's, you know, Friday night and people are out. That's it. But uh, sorry, JJ. Please continue. Yeah, that makes a great point. I think especially now that there's going to be a change, they're going to move SmackDown back to Thursday. What better way to really establish a change than to bring the guys on NXT a chance to be seen by a national audience and not just the WWE Network subscribers. Uh, You know, I enjoy NXT. I just started watching it when I got the network. I saw Bo Dallas when he was the NXT champion, and you know, at the time, I enjoyed his character because there's something about a lot of these characters from NXT, like uh, an Adam Rose or Paige. They seem to do a lot better when they're in front of a smaller audience. I don't know what it is about being translated onto a Monday night arena that these superstars feel different, they're not as strong, but on a smaller scale like NXT, these characters really thrive. And Bo Dallas, he's an annoying character, but he's meant to be annoying. So I understand that. But there's something about in the WWE where they just give up on the guy. They gave up on Bo Dallas. They gave up on Adam Rose. I mean, these guys have barely been on the roster for just a few months. I mean, there was a time when you you would see The Rock. When The Rock came in in 96, and he was the blue chipper, he was Rocky Maivia, the fans hated him. Could you imagine the WWE giving up on Rocky Maivia, someone who would have broke through and become the superstar that he is today, the rock and the Hollywood action star that he is? I mean, even Steve Austin, when he was stunning Steve, you think the WWE liked him when he was just the ringmaster? No, oh, I hated they didn't give up on him, yeah. I mean, he got an opportunity and within time to really develop and become Stone Cold Steve Austin, and he changed you know, the, the, uh, the landscape of the WWE, and it became one of the most uh, largest box office draws in the pay-per-view history for the WWE. And the same with, with the guys like Shawn Michaels, who had the reputation in the tag team, and uh, guys like this Daniel Bryan and CM Punk, the independent guys. Do you think they would have ever gotten an opportunity to become world champions or to become at least the number two guy in the company if they were just gave up on them when they first had them? A lot of people thought that Punk didn't deliver when he was the world champion and he was a disgrace to the title. A lot of people felt the same way about Daniel Bryan when he first won the world title back in 2011. And yet now look at Daniel Bryan, one of the top stars in the company. I mean, it's just amazing to me that they would give up on Bo. 
you know, give him an opportunity to develop his character. Maybe they can make some alters. Whether or not uh, you want him to just go away completely, and as Dominic was suggesting, give him a new identity. Maybe he could be IRS Jr. or he could be Bray Wyatt's long-lost brother. They could find ways to bring him into the picture as something, something else, and maybe that would work. But to just to give up after just one or two months, I mean, I think that's ridiculous. And, uh, you know, I would hope that they have something in store for him. But uh, as the way things are going, he's kind of feuding with Jack Swagger. So I'm sure Jack Swagger will run right through him. But uh, it is sad to see when guys uh, give up. You know, uh, I really thought someone like a Roman Reigns or a Cesaro was going to defeat Bo Dallas when he had that undefeated streak. When he was, you know, every week he would say, oh, I'm six and bow or seven and bow. I really thought, much like uh, that clip said, they were going to try to compare it to the Undertaker streak. Now, granted, you can't compare Undertaker's WrestleMania streak to Bo Dallas's, you know, weekly streak. I mean, that's where it's more comedic. It's more, you're not supposed to take it too serious, but the fact that he's shoving it in your face makes you despise and hate and boo him even more. But the fact that our truth who hasn't done anything since 2011, just beats his streak, yeah. and that's pretty good. We haven't even seen our truth since then. I mean, it was ridiculous. I would have went with someone like a Roman Reigns or a Cesaro to beat that streak. Exactly. Even, though it's not, even if it's not meant to be taken serious, you want someone who's going to have that spotlight, you know, take him out and give an opportunity for the fans to get behind, like Cesaro, who right now, for the most part, wasn't doing anything until he beat Rob Van Dam, and at least now he has a title shot against Sheamus. But it, it's just really sad when God, a lot of the management or the people in the office... Well, Sheamus would have been a, a better uh, person. Sheamus has yeah. much more credibility right now than the truth. I, quite frankly, I, didn't, I thought they waved the truth. I didn't even know he was still wrestling. Uh, that's yeah. how much he's out of the loop. And then again, but, with the uh, it's uh, Big E, Kofi Kingston, and Xavier. We all thought that, oh, the WWE is bringing in the new nation of domination, you know, where they bring in this kind of new group and they were more serious. And yet they pretty much gave that, what, a week? And they gave up on it. And now Kofi is doing whatever he's doing. And now Xavier's back on NXT. And Big E is God knows where. I mean, they just gave up on it after one week. I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, no question about it. Speaking of the shield, uh, which you uh, alluded to earlier, um, in this next segment, you'll hear about um, will the shield get together and will they be in the Hall of Fame? Take a listen. This week's audio question comes to us from Silvino in Las Vegas. With the shield being one of the greatest teams of all time in the WWE, my two questions to you are one, how would you personally book the reformation of the Shield? And two, when it comes time for Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, and Roman Reigns to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, do you think Rollins, Ambrose, and Reigns should go in individually as a team or both? Well, I, I would not get ahead of ourselves here. He, this guy's already putting the Shield in the Hall of Fame. They have to actually have Hall of Fame careers first. Uh, you could say that they've already had a Hall of Fame-worthy career, you know, given some of the people who are in there. These guys have already come in. They've been main eventers almost since day one. Uh, some of them have held belts, not all of them. Actually, no, I think all of them have. Yeah, they all have. Uh, tag titles, U.S. title. And 
Look, I'm sure Roman Reigns is going to go on to become a big star. Seth Rollins has a shot. Dean Ambrose has a shot. I think all three are going to be big stars. I can't tell you who will be bigger. I could say Reigns because the company is behind him right now more so than Rollins and Ambrose. So, you know, he's got the rocket on him. Whether you think he's better than them or they're better than him, it doesn't really matter what you think or what I think. It's what they think. So, yeah, in the end, it wouldn't shock me if all three of them ended up being Hall of Fame worthy. But that's, you know, come on, 15 years down the road. You know, I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame now. So it's hard for me to really think about it like that. And it's hard to know how their careers are going to turn out. You know, the Shield could end up being a footnote. These guys can go on to have great singles careers to where the Shield years. I mean, really, they were together for 18 months. It wasn't even a full two years. So the Shield stuff may be an afterthought. When, when it's all said and done. I hope their careers are so successful that we can actually forget about the Shield years, as great as those were, because that would mean that their singles careers would be even better. And I want to see all three guys succeed. So, you know, by that point, probably should just go in individually, not, not as a unit. As far as the reformation of the Shield, th- there were rumors a few weeks ago, actually maybe a couple months ago, that WWE was already planning... Uh, how to go about doing a S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion. Not not necessarily to put them back together full-time, but almost on like a special edition of Raw or as a one-time angle. Maybe kind of like what they did with Evolution earlier this year. The S.H.I.E.L.D. reunites. I'm sure they will reunite at some point. You know, right now they hate each other, Rollins and Ambrose, but uh, time heals all wounds. I'm sure we will get a S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion at some point. If you were asking me to book it as like a fantasy booking type scenario, it's not going to happen but I, I almost think if the Shield were together right now or were to reform right now, then I would be all for doing something where they reunite for the, for the purposes of standing up to this invading force from NXT, much as they were. They weren't really acknowledged too much as being the NXT guys when they came up, but it was mentioned a couple of times that, you know, hey, it's three guys from our NXT uh, you know, developmental league, I think, or something like that. They were the three guys from NXT who came in and ran roughshod over everybody in the company. They would triple power bomb anybody and everybody. They were terrorizing the entire roster. Well, you've got three very talented guys coming to developmental very soon in the form of Kenta, Kevin Steen, and Prince Devitt. All three, by the way, who were brought in with much fanfare. So say what you want to about Kenta... Now, why are you bringing them up? You know, just an indie, indie lover, right? You'll always have people who love to say stupid shit like that. It just makes me laugh. Hey, WWE must feel the same way. They had Hulk Hogan in the ring with Kenta during his contract signing. And there's the photo online of Kenta with Triple H. There's the photo online of Kenta, of, of uh, Devitt with Triple H. There's the photo of Steen with Triple H. These have been some of the most high-profile signings that they've had uh, ever. So they must have big plans for these guys, you would hope. What if they all came up at the same time? God knows that they don't have to spend much time at NXT. It's not like Devitt doesn't know how to wrestle. It's not like Kenta doesn't know how to wrestle. So what if they spent very little time at NXT, and within a month or two, you bring them up. You bring them up together. They come out one week, kind of like the Shield when they first came along. They attack, whether it's Cena or just random people. You know, they're this little invading force of, of talented guys from, from NXT. 
and you do a shield reunion where you can get six-man tag matches out of it. You could do the shield against Kenta, Kevin Steen, and Prince Devitt. Can you imagine the matches that those six guys would have together? Uh, wow, uh, a lot of uh, interesting stuff, JJ. Uh, why don't you take it? I know you follow the Shield, and uh, what's your thoughts on that podcast? Uh, well, it was very interesting when they mentioned the the Shield because just recently the WWE released a sort of a documentary special on the Shield on the WWE Network, in which they kind of looked at the Shield's journey into SummerSlam. And it kind of took you towards uh, the individual take on, you know, Seth Rollins and his journey, that WWE and NXT. And uh, they actually showed footage of uh, Seth Rollins as Tyler Black in Ring of Honor taking on Brian Danielson. So that was pretty cool. They also had uh, footage of Dean Ambrose when he was, I believe, in what, CZW. And they had a lot of these kind of uh, old-school footage of from these guys in independent promotions. And then you take uh, someone like Roman Reigns, who doesn't have that experience, but was brought to the Performance Center and was a brought to uh, FCW, I think, at the time, and uh, was developing his uh, in-ring abilities. And it kind of took you towards each to their journey to NXT, where you saw they weren't really a unit in NXT. They were sort of wrestling. They were on their own. And it wasn't until it was their time to come up at the, uh, I think, 2011 Survivor Series in which they debuted as the Shield, as a unit. But they were never really a unit in NXT. It was something that was kind of put together at the last minute. And then, you know, they were very fortunate that they were booked the right way. They were they were in the main event uh, picture. They were sort of with Heyman and Punk, and they were feuding with Cena and Ryback and a lot of the top guys at the time, even The Undertaker. So, I mean, these guys were very fortunate that they came up from NXT and were immediately in the spotlight, and they basically never let go of that spotlight because for 18 months – a little short of two years, you know, they were pretty much a dominant force in the WWE. And, uh, you know, you look at a lot of the future guys who are in NXT, like, you know, a Kenta or a Prince Devitt or a Kevin uh, Steen, and you hope that, you know, they can make that same impact when it's their time to debut and to eventually make their debut on the main roster. But I think uh, with the WWE, there's a lot of, you know, sort of politicking involved with I think there's a reason why they got Kenta now and I think there's a reason why that they got Prince DeVitt now and I think a lot of that has to do with the WWE Network and the fact that it's going to be in Japan pretty soon and that it's going to be in Ireland and they want to have someone from Ireland they want to have someone from Japan to be able to go back to their home country and to be able to market the WWE Network and you know what better person than Kenta who's a you know a legend uh, for a lot of wrestling fans who have been following his career for the past decade, and especially someone like Prince of it, who's you know just making his name in the independent scenes uh, overseas in Europe, and I think it's great exposure for the WWE Network. But by bringing them in, it should be you know a fan's dream to see these guys tear it up in NXT, and we hope that you know, when they make their debut on the main roster that they aren't given these silly gimmicks or these goofy characters. We hope that when they come in, they are themselves and they, they focus on wrestling because those three guys will just wrestle circles around a lot of the talent that they have going now. So, you know, I'm very excited for their future and seeing them 
uh, wrestle in NXT. But as far as the Shield goes, you know, you know, should they be in the Hall of Fame? I mean, they've only been around 18 months. Yes, they did make a huge impact in those 18 months, but it's it's very early to be talking about a Hall of Fame for the Shield. I mean, their careers are just, you know, sort of blossoming, especially their individual careers. And, uh, you know, I think down the road, yeah, we will see a Shield reunion. You know, much like we saw DX come together, how many times did the WWE bring back D-Generation X with Triple H and Shawn Michaels over and over again over the years? And even with Evolution. Yeah, the NWO, they tried to to bring them back. Even for Hulk Hogan's birthday, they brought the band back together. Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan. (laughs) They didn't have to wrestle, but just seeing them together again, I think we're definitely going to see a S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion, just not too soon. At least I hope not. I hope these guys have an opportunity to wrestle as individuals, make their name, let that, you know, ride out before you bring them back and repackage them as the shield. And I think one of the best ways to do that in the future would be if they have similar or mutual enemies in which they are kind of forced to kind of team together again, just because they have mutual enemies, not so much that they're best friends or they want to kick the band back together, but they have these other individuals who are feuding with them. So it's only natural for them to form a team and to take out their competition. I think that would be the ultimate way to bring the shield back together, but I'm hoping that's a long ways away because I really want to see their individual careers blossom. A guy like Dean Ambrose, who has so much potential, Seth Rollins, who's you know unbelievable right now. He's Mr. Money in the bank, and he could very well cash that in you know, anytime, you know, at the end of the year. And then, yeah, Roman Reigns, everyone's been saying it. You know, the WWE is giving him the ball. He's the next, you know, big breakout superstar. But then again, maybe he's not. Maybe he drops the ball, and maybe they need to find somebody else. So it's it's a very interesting time in the, the career of the Shield. So that's uh, just something I'm looking forward to. Uh, no question. And before I get to Dominic, I just want to say that, out of a lot of the guys at Hogan's birthday, I never thought I'd be saying this, Hogan looked better than Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Mr. Wonderful, who looked, you know, pretty old, God bless him. But uh, Hogan, you know, not, not a great wrestler, but in terms of keeping himself for a 61-year-old man, you got to say he's doing a good job. Yeah, he's training. He wants that one more match. So, you know, he's doing everything he can to make it happen. I don't know if it will, but uh, like Blackjack says, he wants that one more match. And, you know, he's staying in shape. He's training. He's, you know, trying to be healthy. He's trying to be smart. And I don't know if he's going to get that one more match at WrestleMania, but you can tell he is in, he is in uh, probably the best shape he's been in years. And there is a lot of rumors, as you say, that Brock Lesnar will take on Hogan. And uh, that would be a yeah. farewell match. You know, I think Hogan wants it to be Cena. Yeah. But uh, the word is it's going to be Brock Lesnar. I don't know why they did that 12 years ago. Yeah, Brock I don't destroyed, And if yeah, Brock exactly. destroyed John Cena like that, and Brock defeated The Undertaker, they're making him this giant figure. You know I mean, mm-hmm. how, how could... A 61-year-old who looks like he's 70, Hulk Hogan beat Brock Lesnar. I mean, Dominic, that doesn't that seem insurmountable? 
That's, that ain't even feasible, man, really. A victory for Hogan over Brock Lesnar, I mean, in real life it will never happen. It won't even happen in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> Hogan, Hogan is like an egg ready to break. Yeah. If he falls the wrong way on that hip either side, he's, he's done. Yeah. If John Cena can take 16 suplexes, he's in tremendous shape. Hogan can't even get picked up wrong. Because if he falls wrong... Yeah, I was about to say. Yep, if Hulk he Hogan took 16 wrong, suplexes... He's wheelchair-bound. Forget it. Yeah, it would be the he end would of be, He would be permanently damaged if Brock Lesnar did to Hogan what was done to Cena. Hogan, Hogan might have died. Unless Brock Lesnar is totally tied to a chair and can't move, then maybe Hogan would win. Now, Hogan can hardly walk. Yeah, uh, yeah, Yeah. Hogan can hardly walk. He can't walk. Now, about the shield, I I think eventually down the line we're going to see a shield reunion. Like we've had had seen a lot of reunions. And if they bring in guys like Kenta... Kevin Steen and and Prince Devitt and bring them in as a group, just say they start going after the Shield first, individually. That could make the Shield reunite, and not necessarily to get the band back together or because they're friends, just because they have common hatred for the three new guys. And I think the matches would be spectacular because all three of them guys are veterans, Prince Devitt has been in Japan for the last 12 years, 10 years, but he's a former Ring of Honor guy. Yeah. Kenta Kobayashi is is younger, but he's excellent. And Kevin Steen is a Ring of Honor guy, yeah. and he's excellent. So I think whether they're individual matches or they want to come in and beat up on the Shield or whoever and then work their way to the Shield... We'd be seeing some phenomenal matches with them guys and whoever. But don't give them stupid gimmicks. Yeah. They don't. Eat, they belong on the main roster. All right, you want to put them in, in, in uh, NXT for a while, learn some WWE stuff, fine. But don't take away their moves, which yeah. I forgot who I read about is in NXT now. And he uses moves that Daniel Bryan uses and that yeah. Punk uses. And they and want to take all that away from him because those are signature holds of Daniel Bryan and Punk. Yeah. The running knee, the LaBelle lock, the GTS, that's all Kenta. Kenta, that's it. Right. And the suplex because they don't want nobody landing on the back of their heads. So I don't know what Kenta is going to wind up doing Unless he becomes another Yoshikatsu, and then they let him go. But oh they shouldn't. And they could have did a lot more with Yoshitatsu, but they never did. Yeah. And about the Shield uh, getting in the Hall of Fame, that's a lot of years to come. Yeah. yeah. But there are some years. people in the Hall of Fame that don't belong there, and some that should be put in there. Like Professor Tanaka's not in there. That's one guy. Oh, yeah. There's just so many that belong in there and so many that are in there and don't belong. We don't need a celebrity wing. No. With William Shatner and sports stars. We don't need that. 
This is wrestling. How come the other sports don't have a celebrity wing? They have yeah, celebrities really. involved in sports. Yep. I could just see I Hollywood mean, having a celebrity wing and putting Bruno in there. Bruno would say, uh, what the fuck am I doing in here? This is not the wrestling. <laughs> That's right. And it wasn't until Triple H spoke to Bruno that Bruno decided that he's going to do this. And I think down deep, Bruno did it for his longtime fans. I think he'd still have to have hatred towards Vince McMahon because I watched some of the, the tapes or the YouTubes from uh, 92 where he was just outraged at Vince McMahon at a yep. lot of things he was doing and the way he was treated and yep. things like that. The scandalous bad women. He said, that's not wrestling. Right. I think he came to the Hall of Fame because, A, like Brett, he said he deserved it. And, uh, look, he came because also he wanted to show people who followed the the living legend, uh, Bruno, you know, get their day. You know, a lot of wrestlers know that there's heat backstage. But for the sake of the fans, you know, they'll work with the promoter just to get into that Hall of Fame so the fans can recognize them. Yeah, the fans wanted that for a long time for Bruno. Yeah, and uh, when was that with Bruno? Last last year? I think. Yeah, Was that that the Garden or or Brooklyn? Was that somewhere in New York? The yeah, that was thing. in Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden. That's right. That was in Madison Square Garden. Very interesting. Okay, uh, we got a brand new uh, um, Jericho uh, show cut. Um, he had he recently had the Miz on, and uh, the Miz talks a lot about um, uh, the WrestleMania moment and the title run. Let's take a listen and talk on the other side. Let's talk about you know the the, the ascension to like to like you said you, they wanted you to be a top guy, and eventually you became as top as you can get by becoming the the WWE World Champion and even headlining WrestleMania. How was that for you? I mean, you'd only been in the company for five years, maybe at the time, six years, five years. Yeah, I would say about six years. I was in the, I was in the company. So, and, I mean, uh, yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, so, I mean, I was, I was working hard, you know, doing what I had to do. And, uh, you know, when, when, when I went for the money in the bank, like, there was a lot of top stars in that, in that, uh, in that, uh, in that match. Right. Like, it was like Edge. I think you were in that match. Um, I believe so, yeah. 2010, yeah, Marie, I think it was. Yeah. Ended up, I think it was the first time anyone, a girl actually went up a ladder. Marie uh, still talks about that to this day. Yes, yeah, so that was. Thank you. Yeah. I to you all the time. Man, Chris Jericho, I can't believe he did that for me. It was so nice, blah, blah, blah. I was like... Yeah, we had yeah, we had know, a spot. Match too, then, you know? <laughs> we had the spot where she was with Ted DiBiase at the time, and, I thought, and he wasn't really using her because he didn't know what to do with her. And we had a thing where everyone bumped down off the ladder outside onto the floor, and there just was a ladder set up. And I, I came up with the idea where Maurice would come in and sneak up the ladder to try and grab the, the, the briefcase, which has basically been stolen about six times. But that was the first time, like you said, a girl had ever climbed the ladder. That was great. Yeah. And you exactly. ended up. It was, it was awesome. It was like it was so cool to uh, to have like that that kind of situation. And then 
that's where I won the the money in the bank. And that was kind of the where I said, okay, wow, maybe I'm actually going to do this. Maybe I'm actually going to get to the top of, you know, the WWE. Because back then, when you get the money in the bank, it was an automatic, you're basically winning the WWE. Champion. Yeah, money in the bank, you would, you would win the briefcase, which enabled you to get a title shot. And, and every single time somebody cashed in that title shot from the money in the bank, they would win the title. Every yeah, time. So thanks for creating that match because probably without that match, I would have never been WWE <laughs> champion. So, uh, so that works out well. But yeah, so I, I, I get the money in the bank, and what happens usually when you win money in the bank, you lose a lot because you have money in the bank. You always have that in your uh, in your back pocket. Right. So I ended up losing a lot, and I was thinking, man, and everyone on the internet, everyone all over the place is saying, this is going to be the first person to lose the the, the money in the bank. Yeah, when you cash it in, right? Yeah, when you cash it in, he's going to be the first person to lose. Definitely going to be the Miz, and uh, I remember uh, I, I had the, the United States Championship at the time, and I think we were doing NXT as well. Me, you, yeah, uh, you were, you had Barrett, I had Daniel Bryan, and I think that the, the NXT was kind of a test for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you you never did this, but we had promo class at uh, at one point as well, where That's I think right. I really impressed Vince with my promos. And just, uh, just uh, Vince, Vince, there. Vince would have a, a class before TV and have ten or fifteen people in there to, to teach you how to do promos before the show. It's yeah. called promo class. And literally, literally, he'd, he'd, he'd throw out a word, and you'd have to revolve your your promo around that word. You know? Yeah. He says umbrella. You have to sit there and work your your promo around umbrella. You know? Right. And uh, so it was it was just a test to see how good and how quick witted you were. And on those tests, I'd always, you know, pass the flying colors. And, and then when we had NXT, uh, I really got a, a chance to shine because I had Daniel Bryan, the Internet darling, you know, the person that everyone loved all over the Internet. But, and who is the person that the Internet hates the most? <laughs> Me, because yeah. I'm a reality star. So what better pairing than to put us two together? So that really created a lot of rifts and stuff like that. And that's during the Money in the Bank, the United States Championship. I ended up losing to Daniel Bryan the United States Championship. By the way, who you said, I will never forget this, you had the first match with Daniel Bryan, I believe, on NXT. Yeah. Um, and you, uh, and, and he did really, really well. And you actually went to Vince. I remember being in Gorilla, uh, and I remember you going to Vince going, this guy has it. He has it, Vince. You need to push him. You need to do something with him. That was after his first that? match. Yeah, I do remember that. That's funny because everyone was kind of down on him because he was smaller or whatever. And you could just, I mean, that, I already knew him anyways from that point. And that's also why the internet was so mad that you were paired with him because he'd already worked for so long and was so amazingly talented that I just knew he was going to make it. But then he had, he had a connection with the crowd even then. Yeah, it was, yeah. So I, I just remember that. So then um, once we did that kind of feud with Daniel Bryan and he won the United States Championship, I just had the money in the bank. Uh, if we go on to Survivor Series where uh, Randy Orton is the, is, is, is the, the WWE champion. And uh, I thought Survivor Series was going to be it. I thought, man, maybe in Survivor Series I'll be the one that that's when I cash in. Mm-hmm. But that didn't happen. Uh, the next day on Monday, uh, I get the call saying, all right, you're cashing in today. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm cashing in. And I'm actually going to beat Randy Orton, who is the biggest, biggest baby face right now in the WWE. Right. So in Orlando, Florida, uh, I come out with the money in the bank. The crowd erupts. Like anyone that has the money in the bank, whether you're a bad guy or a good guy, the crowd erupts and just wants to see it happen. Because you can happens. you can cash it in at any time, at the end of a match, during a match, whatever. Exactly. So I uh, I cash it in. 
Uh, I go up against Randy, and this time it's like usually when you cash it in, you cash it when the guy's half dead. Yeah. You just go in and just, and just cover him one, two, three. But Randy wasn't half dead, and we kind of had a match, and uh, I ended up winning Skull Crushing Finale, one, two, three. And I'll never forget, like, the emotion that, that went through, like, my entire body in a matter of, like, three minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, it was from, like, I can't believe I just made it to – uh, you know, choking up a little bit, but then realizing I'm on national television, I'm not going to cry. I'm a man. <laughs> and then like, you know, it's like, it's all these, these emotions, you know, you remember when you were a kid having it as, as a kid, like getting it from your, as, as a Christmas present. Yeah. A toy know, belt. Title. Yeah. Yeah. Toy title and walking around with it. And now you have the real thing. Like all these emotions go through your head when you win it. And, uh, and I'll never forget the uh, angry Miz girl. Like people's reaction was just <laughs> not. It was it was the perfect reaction for me because that's exactly what I wanted. I always wanted like people just to hate me. I don't know. I just have a knack for people hating on me. Explain so, explain uh, angry Miz girl. Angry Miz girl. So I win the title, and they they pan to the audience to see audience reaction. And some people are are you know a little like you know thumbs down, boo, whatever. Uh, you know, other people are cheering, jumping up and down. There was one little girl uh, <laughs> that literally was just staring uh, and would not blink, would not, and was pissed off, frowning. She looked like uh, uh, Drew Barrymore in uh, the, the fire, fire starter. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah, just, you know, that's exactly what she reminded me of. I was like, oh, my God, if this girl had laser beams in her eyes, I would be dead. You know, if yeah. she create fire... <laughs> She would, she would definitely set you a fire, right? A fire, right? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it, it, the funny part was, I think she trended more than my, my championship did, like, angry Miz girl, angry Miz girl, angry Miz girl. And, and her, they actually, like, they actually yeah. brought her on Raw uh, uh, the week later or whatever. They found her and brought her on the show. Yeah, the next week, they, they bring her on and, and give her uh, an award for uh, 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 the Slammys, the uh, uh, Crown Participation Award. She wins it. I come out and take it from her and, and, and walk away. So, uh... <laughs> So, but, uh, I mean, so, the, yeah. so the reaction was there. Nobody could believe that you're the championship. And then, you know, then like I, I remember you went on and, and you had the, the tag team match against The Rock and Cena with R-Truth. I mean, that was yeah. a huge step for you. Well, yeah, but also with the, the, when I won the WWE championship, it wasn't that everyone could have believed it. It was, it was amazing in the, how different WWE is compared to Hollywood. Like, in Hollywood, all like Us Weekly, In Touch, uh, MTV.com, TMZ, Everyone wanted a part of me. Like, as soon as I won, it was like news that really usually doesn't really uh, get WWE and, and, and yeah. promote WWE started coming to us and, and putting us in, like, stuff because I was a champion. It was incredible. I couldn't believe and it. Because of your t- and because uh, of your real-world background. Exactly, from the real-world ties. And, like, everyone wanted to interview with me. It was, it was pretty incredible. So, uh, so then I go on to main event WrestleMania. Don't remember it because I... Uh, I got knocked out during it, and then uh, lost the title to Cena. Probably about I had the title for about 150 days, which at the time uh, this was before CM Punk's 400 days. By the way, yes, I do remember exactly how many days I had. <laughs> you know, I was going to uh, say that. But hold on a second, though. Hold on a second, man. You, you can't just gloss over WrestleMania so you got knocked out. I mean, that you were in the main event of WrestleMania. Only 29 other matches can say that. Me being yeah, one of them, by the way. Trust me, I, I, I know. You've told me many, many times, trust me. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm one of those people that literally will brag about it every chance I get. Like, no matter what, they can't. T- like, I remember you always telling me uh, they could never take away that I was the first undisputed champion. That's right. And, I will, I, and you, you would always say, I don't care how many people hate it. I will t- talk about it every day of the week. That's right. I did that. Shove and it in the so throat. I, 
I literally took that as a, as a, uh, as a, as, a, as one of the things from you. And I said, you know what? I'm going to talk about this every chance I get because you know what? No one gets to do this. So how did you get knocked out during WrestleMania? Uh, I was, uh, we were in, it was during the match and we, uh, uh, I just took a, uh, an AA from, uh, from John Cena, one, two, I kick out of it. I roll to the ground and I'm basically trying to get away from Cena. Cena comes and I, I'm up on top of, uh, like a, a table. And Cena basically tackles me off the table through uh, the bar- not through the barricade, but over the barricade. And once we landed, we landed on the concrete on the outside, and my head just bangs right up against the concrete. So how much time? Yeah. How, how far into the matches? I was that near the end or in the middle? Or so, so now, so so what happens next is uh, I get knocked out. The Rock comes out, and we get counted out. Me and Cena get counted out. Uh, I end up retaining the title on a countout. The Rock was the host at the time. Rock comes out and says, uh, you know, The Rock says that, uh, you know, this, this uh, WrestleMania is definitely not going to end on a count-out. This match is restarted uh, under uh, no disqualification. Anything can go, mm-hmm. unless, and it restarts right now. So I start crawling back. I have no idea where I am, what I'm doing. I don't have any idea. All I remember is that The Rock, Rock Bottoms, John Cena, I cover John Cena, one, two, three. And I'm the champion. And, and I remember you texting me after this, and you going, you going, hey, Vince, that's the best selling you've ever done. And I was like, I was knocked out, Chris. Thanks. <laughs> I wasn't selling. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> wow. So, so do you, do you rem- did you have to watch the, the match back to remember what happened? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember any of it. I, had to, I, I, I still watch it back. And I don't, I don't like watching it back anymore. And you think? I'd want to watch it back more and more and more because that's one of the most memorable moments should be of my career. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to watch, you know, yourself getting knocked out and seeing yourself knocked out. It's kind of scary. No, absolutely, especially when you can't remember it. It's like it's like being an out of body experience or something along those lines. Wow, uh, super commentary with Jericho and uh, of course the Miz. JJ, what is your take? Well, you know the thing about the Miz. We have uh, Blackjack Brown here. Blackjack, are you here with us? Checking one. Checking two. Huh? Okay. Apparently that was not Blackjack, but uh, I'm sorry, JJ, to interrupt you. Uh, great commentary with um, with uh, The Miz and talking about his WrestleMania run and a lot of other uh, inside stuff. What was your thought on that interview? Well, you know, the thing about The Miz is I, I say this a lot about John Cena, and I would say the same thing about The Miz. I don't hate those guys. Uh, there's a lot of people who genuinely hate John Cena and genuinely hate The Miz. Obviously, they're not the greatest technical wrestlers uh, in the business, but one of the things that I really respect and uh, appreciate about Miz and Cena is the fact that these are two guys who were watching this when they were kids. This is something they want to do. This is something that while they may not be the best, they do work hard and try to be the best. You know, whether or not that shows in the or not, you know, I appreciate the hard work that they put in. I appreciate the fact that they're genuine fans of the business. And there are a lot of people who are in the business just to make, you know, the paycheck or the money and their bodybuilders there, et cetera. But, you know, Miz and Cena are guys who genuinely love it. So I appreciate the Miz. And the Miz started out in 2004 and tough enough 
He eventually made it to SmackDown in 2006. So he's been around for a while, and a lot of people were upset when he won the title, and he was one of the most hated guys at the time. I don't know if he was the number one heel in the company. I mean, if you talk to CM Punk, he might disagree when he was doing the Straight Edge Society, and he felt that he should have been in the main event of WrestleMania against Cena, who was the top face, and Punk was the top heel, and be in between The Rock, but they didn't go that way. Instead, they went towards The Miz because he does have that mainstream uh, background on MTV, the real world, and of course a lot of these those outlets were interviewing him. They were doing they were putting the WWE on the map, which is something that uh, wasn't happening before with past champions. So you know the WWE of course made the most of it. They gave Miz the title. You know, Miz's title reign uh, was interesting. He was one of the champions that you would always hope would uh, get beat or would lose. At one point, they even had Jerry Lawler versus The Miz in, like, a ladder match. And you honestly thought that Jerry Lawler could beat The Miz just because you know The Miz isn't that great. You know he's not a great wrestler. So, of course, Jerry Lawler, who's a legend, a Hall of Famer, could easily beat The Miz and maybe win his first ever world uh, title in the WWE. So I think Miz's title run was a success in what it was meant to be. I think it was very interesting hearing how he was legitimately knocked out and he doesn't remember parts of the WrestleMania uh, main event between Cena and himself with The Rock and the fact that you know he had a concussion and he knocked himself out silly and he doesn't remember a lot. That, that's, that's pretty amazing. We talked uh, before when Bully Ray had that concussion in that TLC match. Yeah. Just, uh, it really is just an unbelievable feeling and the fact that he was fortunate enough to continue the match. But uh, I remember Angry Miz Girl. I remember the, them giving the slamming to her. I mean, if you remember any of the facial expressions that Stephanie has given over the years when she's angry and pissed off, that was basically the same reaction this little girl had when the Miz won the title. This sweet little girl just wanted to just strangle the Miz. She just had bags under her eyes. She was frowning. She was so angry. You know, it was, uh, it was something that they even gave her a slammy the following week. But, you know, I think right now the Miz is where he should be. He's feuding uh, with Ziggler for the Intercontinental title. He's not in the main event picture as far as the world title. But I think he's where he should be right now, working his way back up to a potential world title shot. But uh, during his run... I think they made the most of it. They tried to get as much mainstream uh, media out of it as they could. And I think for the most part, they succeeded. WrestleMania 27 did very well. It got a lot more people watching, of course, with The Rock there. But, uh, you know, Miz is someone I've never really hated. So, you know, I enjoy to see what he does. He is someone that, while he's not a great wrestler, there is one thing that uh, he is good at. He is good at running his mouth and talking it was pretty amazing to me to hear that Vince was doing these uh, promo classes for uh, the talent in which they had to go and say a word. I'm thinking, that's pretty unbelievable to me. I think I can understand a lot of the guys who are in NXT doing that, but having guys who are on the main roster do that, that's, that's pretty wild. And it's true because we uh, heard the story of Daniel Bryan when Daniel Bryan was on Jericho's podcast, and we played the clip in where Bryan said that, 
much like where yes. the Miz said he did a, a promo class, Brian did this sort of personality ambition test. So it's pretty – there's so much going on in wrestling that we don't know or don't see or hear about where these guys are being put through these ridiculous things that really have nothing to do with wrestling. And yet they're doing all these tests and all these figures and numbers and ratings and all this stuff, which has nothing to do with the wrestling that they do in the ring, the quality wrestling. And it's a shame that they're looking at all these numbers and facts and they're not more focused on what's going on on television and how that's coming across. So it's just uh, it's a very complicated world of uh, sports entertainment. Uh, no question. Dominic, you have to Yeah, I enjoyed that clip a lot. Jericho has always been one of my favorites from seeing him in Mexico, WCW, WWE. And in all honesty... Miz has grown on me. I really like the guy now. And yeah, there was a point where I couldn't stand the Miz, but he's got, he had a couple of different looks. He is doing movies. Now it's like I don't want my face touched because that's my moneymaker. And he is starting to grow on me. He's learned a lot. Granted, he ain't the best ring technician like J.J. said, but when it comes to running his mouth and doing promos, the guy's right on the money. Yeah, the guy. The guy is excellent at what he does. So if you're uh, excellent at what yeah. you do, you deserve a good spot. And I think I'm going to really like this feud with him and Ziggler, because yeah. Ziggler is great, oh, and yeah. I think he, his matches with Miz could only make the Miz be, a little better than he is right now. Yeah. Yeah, me and J.J. were talking, uh, I was telling J.J. that I think that uh, Brock is going to lose the belt because, as we spoke before, he is only a part-time wrestler. And look how he destroyed Cena in Raw at the pay-per-view. Do you honestly think they'll book Cena to to job out twice, Dominic? I think Cena's winning the belt back. He got such a beating last last pay-per-view. The only way that he can make a comeback is to do the same thing to Brock and just dominate. Brock don't belong having that belt. He's a part-time guy. Even his promo last night with Paul Heyman was was taped ahead of time. He wasn't even in the arena. Now, people say house shows don't matter because nothing happens at house shows anymore. Granted... But people still want to see a championship belt at a house show. You're going to have house shows without a heavyweight champion making an appearance. The title even doesn't change hands. You still want to see a guy come out with his belt. The last time I remember a live event was somebody uh, with the title changed. I have to go back to May of 1996 where the Godwins defeated the, well, it was Candido and Pritchard. What were they called? The bodies, the body donors. Heavenly bodies. Heavenly no, no, bodies. Body, yeah, right. JJ's right. Body donors. Yeah. The body donors. That's the last time I recall a title changing. I mean, it used to happen on the MSG Network, Dominic. You probably remember. Yeah. Titles would be changed. Yep. But uh, not anymore. And they, and they don't even call them house shows. They're quote live events. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, that's right. They don't say house shows no more. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it'll always be a house show. I yeah. mean, that's what it is. And 
that's how it should be. Uh, one more note before we get out of here. Um, seems like there's some rumors that uh, Batista could be wrapping his uh, little stint up because of the the movie. JJ, did you hear about that? Yeah, I mean, Batista did very well with uh, Marvel's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. It was, uh, did uh, tremendous in the box office. It surpassed a lot of expectations. But now that he's sort of done wrapping up a lot of media appearances and promoting the movie, you know, there's a lot of talk of whether or not he will come back to the WWE. And before, the plan was that he would return after SummerSlam. Now, the problem now is because... Guardians did so well, and because, you know, Marvel has their plans of what they do with their movies and all these sequels and tying it into uh, the Avengers films, that Batista will probably be doing a lot of future work with Marvel, so whether or not he would want to risk an injury and coming back to the WWE and potentially wrestling, being as a part-time guy. Although even though Batista was only here for a brief, uh, you know, short period, he did go to uh, some house shows, uh, live events, as you were saying. You know, he was on SmackDown. He did, you know, Raw, you know, every week. So he's willing to put the time in, but the problem is would he want to risk it again? You know, I don't think we've seen the last of Batista. I know uh, he wasn't seen eye-to-eye with a lot of the creative direction that the company had. You know, they wanted to put him in the main event of WrestleMania. Then the fans turned on him, so they brought Evolution back. And these were all kind of last-minute things that were going on. And I don't think he was happy with just the, the order, that the way they were running things. So will he come back? I think he will. I think, if anything, he'll come back to maybe – maybe wrestle his last match and maybe to have his last run uh, in the WWE. Because I think right now things are going so well in his uh, movie career that I don't think he wants to really risk that. I think he's much in a, like, uh, in a position with The Rock where, you know, The Rock's a full-time movie guy. He maybe will do an appearance here or there, and, but he's 100 dedicated to, uh, you know, his movie career. And I think that's going to be the same way with Batista. But I do think we will see Batista again. I think he has at least one more run left in him. And, uh, you know, I don't know whether or not he'll come back before WrestleMania. But uh, I do think we'll see Batista back again. Uh, Dominic, what's your take? Yeah, I think we'll see Batista back again. I think this time is a fan favorite. He didn't like the way things were being booked and being run the last time he was here. That's why it was only briefly. But we are going to be seeing the return of the animal. And speaking, <clears throat> speaking of returns and people being gone, um, Rob Van Dam is in a main event match, which they're taping probably now. Maybe it's even already done. But then he's leaving again to go on another vet sabbatical. So we won't be seeing Rob Van Dam anymore. Mm. And wow. Ryback so also tweeted, he's going away to take care of business. He's got some things on his mind that he's got to take care of, but the footnote under it said he always messes with the fans like this, so I'll believe it when I see it if he really is taking time off because they're not doing nothing with him and Curtis Axel as a team. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say, what fans are right back on there? I mean, well... I'm a Ryback fan. No, I know you, but like, generally speaking, you know, they built this monster up, and he looks like he could be the Goldberg, and he started out like a, you know, a house of fire, and now he's a job for all intents and purposes. 
I don't yeah, know why they did that thing. He is, yeah. Well, maybe this time off is a way to bring him back and hopefully repackage him so he can be that monster again and maybe even be a, a fan favorite because it seems that the people, whether they like him or not, they do love that chant, that feed me more, and they yeah. do get into it. So if they do bring him back, I hope they, they find a way to bring him back as a face. Maybe he comes back and he wrestles Curtis Axel, and Curtis Axel you know, hits them with a chair and the fans boo him, and maybe they'll start to cheer Ryback again. Yeah, because Curtis Axel is a genuine heel. He's he's yeah. very good as a heel. Yeah, he's a natural. Yep. And the Mr. Perfect Son you're talking about, right? Yes. Curtis Axel. Do you think that uh, he should have went under the name Joe Henning, or you like him as uh, Curtis Axel? Let's start with you, Dominic. Joe Henning all the way. He's the son of a legend and the, and, and the grandson of a legend. I mean... Look at Mr. Perfect's career, all the legends that he's wrestled. He's a legend himself. Larry the Axe Henning wrestled Bruno. Unbelievable feud with Bruno. He was one of the best big guys ever. And then they call him Curtis Axel, Michael McGillicuddy. They should have just called him Joe Henning, and that's, and, and that's it. But I guess maybe McMahon didn't want the fans to like him because of his name. I don't know. Well, remember Ted DiBiase? He was Ted DiBiase. Yeah, but Ted DiBiase Jr. was old school. This is this is Mc, right. McMahon's new land now. And also, I think McMahon wants to keep the copyrights. So yeah. Off of it. Yeah. And I like JJ's idea before as Bo Dallas admitting that he's Bray Wyatt's little brother. I love that one. A great way to it's better, than the, the, it's better than the Bo Leave shit that that kid is doing. Yeah. Yeah, that was cute for the first time on the last time. But uh, <laughs> no question about it. Okay, great show. Uh, big shout-out to Jason Knight. Uh, surprisingly, to me at least, he gave us a lot. Uh, unexpected. Yeah, um, great. Very candid. He shooted from the heart. Yep. And uh, I encourage everybody to uh, listen to that again, if you heard it already. Jason, uh, with some very uh, brutally honest stuff uh, about his life, depression, wrestling, uh, probably talking about the Dudleys and, and Tommy Jr., in my opinion, um, and I think Dominic's opinion also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of got that vibe like that. Yeah. Because yeah, you know, Jay, the, listen, those did you get a hold of uh, the guy I did the favor for regarding the eight by ten for me? The eight by ten. Yeah. Is that the? Uh... Yeah, yeah. You know who I'm talking about. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. J- yes. JP. Yes. Yes. Gotcha. All right. Absolutely. Okay. Uh. Just mail me your uh, where I where I can mail it to. So. Oh, all right. What's your uh, yeah. What's What's your email again? It's King Jordan. The number right. two. The letter right. K is in Kathy. The number nine. Letter K. At. Yeah, like uh, K Catherine. K or. Hey, right? Like King. Yeah, like King. <laughs> at 
AOL.com. Okay. AOL. And it's KingJordan2K at AOL.com. Okay. 2K9. 2K9. Oh, 2K9. 2K9 at AOL.com. Okay, great. Yes. All right. Okay. Uh, Phenomenal show, like I said. Jason, um, to my surprise, did a wonderful, wonderful job. Uh, Maybe I'll YouTube it. It was such a good show. Um, But uh, Dominic, if you could mention it on your show, that would be great. Yeah, whatever. Awesome. Okay, JJ and Dominic, thank you. We will speak to you guys. We'll see you guys next week. Always fun. JJ, have a good week. You too, Dominic. Thanks. Yeah, King, you too, bro. I think I got a cauliflower ear now. My goodness. (laughs) All right. I'll talk to you guys in a week. Take care. Take care.
Thank you. Thank you. Michael Jackson. I have a little bit more to say than that. Um, okay, here we go again. Michael Jackson was born in August 1958. So was I. Michael Jackson grew up in the suburbs of the Midwest. So did I. Michael Jackson had eight brothers and sisters. So do I. When Michael Jackson was six, he became a superstar and was perhaps the world's most beloved child. When I was six, my mother died. I think he got the shorter end of the stick. I never had a mother, but he never had a childhood. And when you never get to have something, you become obsessed by it. I spent my childhood searching for my mother figures. Sometimes I was successful. But how do you recreate your childhood when you are under the magnifying glass of the world for your entire life? There is no question that Michael Jackson was one of the greatest talents the world has ever known. That when he sang a song at the ripe old age of eight, he could make you feel like an experienced adult was squeezing your heart with his words. That the way he moved had the elegance of Fred Astaire and packed the punch of Muhammad Ali that his music had an extra layer of inexplicable magic that didn't just make you want to dance, but actually made you believe that you could fly, dare to dream, be anything that you wanted to be. Because that is what heroes do, and Michael Jackson was a hero. <clears throat> he performed in soccer stadiums around the world. He sold hundreds of millions of records. He dined with prime ministers and presidents. Girls fell in love with him, boys fell in love with him, everyone wanted to dance like him. He seemed otherworldly, but he was also a human being. Like most performers, he was shy and plagued with insecurities. I can't say we were great friends, but in 1991 I decided I wanted to try and get to know him better. I asked him out to dinner. I said, my treat, I'll drive, just you and me. He agreed and showed up to my house without any bodyguards. We drove to the restaurant in my car. It was dark out, but he was still wearing sunglasses. I said, Michael, I feel like I'm talking to a limousine. Do you think you could take off those glasses so I can see your eyes? He paused for a moment. Then he tossed the glasses out the window, looked at me with a wink and a smile and said, can you see me now? Is that better? In that moment, I could see both his vulnerability and his charm. The rest of the dinner, I was hell-bent on getting him to eat French fries drink wine, have dessert, and say bad words. Things he never seemed to allow himself to do. Later, we went back to my house to watch a movie, and we sat on the couch like two kids. And somewhere in the middle of the film, his hand snuck over and held mine. It felt like he was looking for a friend more than a romance. And I was happy to oblige him. And in that moment, he didn't feel like a superstar. He felt like a human being. We went out a few more times together, and then for one reason or another, we fell out of touch. Then, the witch hunt began. And it seemed like one negative story after the other was coming out about Michael. I felt his pain. 
I know what it's like to walk down the street and feel like the whole world is turned against you. I know what it's like to feel helpless and unable to defend yourself because the roar of the lynch mob is so loud that you are convinced your voice can never be heard. But I had a childhood and I was allowed to make mistakes and find my own way in the world without the glare of the spotlight. When I first heard that Michael had died, I was in London, days away from the opening of my tour. Michael was going to perform in the same venue as me a week later. All I could think about in that moment was I had abandoned him, that we had abandoned him, that we had allowed this magnificent creature that once set the world on fire to somehow slip through the cracks. While he was trying to build a family and rebuild his career, we were all busy passing judgment. Most of us had turned our backs on him. In a desperate attempt to hold on to his memory, I went on the internet to watch old clips of him dancing and singing on TV and on stage. And I thought, my God, he was so unique, so original, so rare, and there will never be anyone like him again. He was a king. He was also a human being, and alas, we are all human beings, and sometimes we have to lose things before we can truly appreciate them. I want to end this on a positive note and say that my sons, age nine and four, are obsessed with Michael Jackson. There's a whole lot of crotch grabbing and moonwalking going on in my house, and it seems like a whole new generation of kids has discovered his genius and are bringing him to life again. I hope that wherever Michael is right now, he is smiling about this. Yes. Yes, Michael Jackson was a human being, but damn it, he was a king. Long live the king.